Hi everyone, Tim Kittrow, and you're listening to the Pie Factory Podcast here in downtown Milwaukee. Boom shakalaka! That's weather for you. Mm-hmm. I just drove back from Milwaukee, and boy, are my arms tired. Uh, oh, Whoa, Speaking of Milwaukee. <laughs> now, that's real old Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah except this is just uh, cherry cider. It's not even alcoholic, so I, I don't know what's going on. Although I, cherry cider, you know, good stuff. Oh, yeah. it's Yeah, the Trader Joe's cherry cider is uh, really, really yummy. Mm. Oh, so uh, you, a product, a fine product purchased from, I believe it was Aldi Sued, as we explained in the podcast in detail uh, at one yes, point. Yes, of course. Aldi Sued, a brewing legend since 1867. Mm-hmm. Ding. And so, what? Wait, you were in Milwaukee? Well, I was. Huh. Well, yeah. You know, I was in Milwaukee too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I got back uh, yesterday, late yesterday morning. Oh, you did, did you? I did. I yeah. did. Late yesterday morning. Huh? I had already built 10 servers by that time. Well, yeah. no, actually, probably not. Yeah. I they, I just set them up before I left for left on Thursday, and they had done their uh, job by then. So I don't think we did a proper introduction, though. Do we ever do proper anything? Oh, I say there, old chap. But, all right, I guess, hey, this is a Pie Factory podcast episode. What, or what are we, 74 now? Oh, we already w- went past uh, the 64th episode a long time ago, and I didn't make a Beatles reference. Or you didn't. Why should I? When I'm 64. Or do I have the song wrong? No, you have the song right. Oh, good. So, yeah, hey, this is uh, Pie Factory Podcast episode number 74. Oh, oh, one of our one of our uh, friends, uh, R- uh, Robert, on uh, Facebook, he let us know. He's like, hey, I can't, I can't download the podcast. And then I found out why. It's because the hosting provider that hosts piefactorypodcast.com and its uh, main original domain, fab4it.com, had some network issues, and so it was unreachable for a while. Oh, And then once it came back up, Robert said, hey, great, it's back up. But why is your episode number 73 called episode 74? Are you having an HTML issue or something? And it's like, uh, no, it's called a PHP issue. It's it's called uh, whoever designed the site and the content management system for the site kind of predicted that every single episode would be incremented by one. And of course, that was not the case because episode 15 was in two parts. Mm-hmm. So the PHP code was written to say, okay, once you get to episode 15, don't increment it right now. Mm-hmm. And that worked perfectly. But then when it got to our bonus episode, for some reason, there might be one part of the code that doesn't have the bonus episode detector in it. So it's still incremented. And it considered our bonus episode to be a regular episode. Uh And ergo, it incremented the episode counter. It's not like the person who does the coding on it has two jobs, two podcasts, and a wife and a dog who wants to spend some time with them once in a while. And it's not like one of those jobs that actually is coding websites. And one of those jobs is coding websites. (laughs) Oh, boy. Which brings up a question, though. Well, coding a website, Since this is our report on the Midwest Gaming Classic... A correction. Since this is a special episode, is this going to actually have a actual episode number? It's episode seventy-four. Okay. Well, if I guess it, it's if it's with our 74. new format of alternating back and forth. Ah, okay. So, so yeah, basically, you're saying there's no rhyme or reason as to what episode is is what. Something like that. 
No, the thing is, the the bonus episode, we're using the video game term bonus, meaning extra, even though bonus really doesn't mean extra, it means good. But meaning, hey, this is an unscheduled episode, but we're throwing out at you as a present to you, our friends. This is just a normal episode. And normal for Pie Factory podcast. Well, yeah, true. Uh, I see what's screwing me up as I'm looking at our list here of episodes and the special radio episode we did actually did not have an episode number. Yeah, that was the bonus episode. Yeah, everything else actually has an episode number. And, uh, oh, by the way, we we have not yet identified ourselves. Uh, lying Gets. I am Lying Gets. I'm sorry. I, I, I am Sean Holly. No, not, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm American Sean, not Sean Holly. Uh, because I'm not really in anybody's face. I have my own face to worry about. And uh, oh, 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 can I be Victor Marland? But actually, I refuse to identify myself under threat of law, under threat of force, under threat of something. It's illegal for you to identify yourself. Um, it might be. I don't what know. Ki- they change what kind laws of so rules fast do you in people in, in Grundy County have? Jeez. Well, you know the, the even here in Cook County, County 40, I can identify people. myself. I'm Sean from Chicago. And I am uh, Jim, who may or may not be from Morris, Illinois. You can neither confirm nor deny that. Correct. Uh-huh. Well, technically, I'm not from, but I may or may not be broadcasting from Morris, Illinois. Okay. I so may or may that- not have lived in Kankakee for a while, which was completely destroyed recently, I understand. Yes, yes, it was. Kankakee has been completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. I think it involves a giant gorilla or something. <laughs> and oh. Think of it as a public service, you mean? Yeah, oh, very much so, very much. Hey, I personally thanked King Henry VIII for destroying Kankakee, and he said, oh, you're welcome. And then he said, you know what? I actually like Kankakee. I was like, uh, I think I don't know you. <laughs> it has its moments. I think he's one of those people who can just find the good in anything. Could be. Like you could, a, you, Well, you know, I... But I, uh, ooh, we could talk more about that in a little yeah, bit, though. Yeah, we, we absolutely should. Yes, we should. But you were saying, uh, before we totally forgot to introduce the episode, that you had some addenda and errata, and or errata. Yeah, this, I, I don't know how this would be category, categorized, cat, cat, how this would be classified. There we go. I don't know if it's an addendum, if it's an erratum, because it's definitely being added on because it's something that neither one of us mentioned, but it's hmm. also because one of us forgot to mention it. So I guess maybe it's both an addendum and an erratum, which kind of makes our uh, our music, the love theme from addenda and errata kind of inaccurate because addenda is plural, errata is plural, but there's only one thing that I, ha- do you have anything by the way for this segment? No, actually. Then, then it's a totally inaccurate song. We need to like have Scattered Frog record a second version of it for just singular purposes. But here is the um, addendum slash erratum. We spoke about the video game Turbo in episode 73, our previous episode. One glaring omission that I totes, totes oh, forgot to yes. mention. There's an ambulance that makes an appearance periodically. I think it was right up the middle of the screen. And um, a lot of people actually use that as a strategy because when the ambulance shows up, all the other cars on the road kind of split. They kind of move off to the side. And so what you can do is basically tail the ambulance right down the middle of the screen and the other cars won't collide into you. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That sounds like a great strategy. 
It really does. And I haven't played Turbo since last episode, so I haven't <laughs> had the chance to try it yet. Yeah, I haven't really played a whole heck of a lot myself since the last episode. Yeah, what have you played? If you're at liberty to discuss, that is. I don't know how things are going there in, uh, in, in <laughs> well, the Well, actually, I've been, uh, I, before we were recording, I was playing a game that I bought on Steam called Freeways, which is right up my alley, almost. Oh, I see what you, oh, wait, no. Literally. Freeways, freeways where don't it's have It's basically alleys, you're no, given right. a bunch of endpoints for roads and you have and businesses, and you have to connect them and build your own freeway uh, interchanges, and I've come up with some absolutely bizarre stuff that would send even the Illinois Department of Transportation into shock. But I really love the game, but there's like a few glaring omissions, like there's no undo button. So if you make a mistake, you got to clear the screen and do everything all over oh again. Man. And I guess you, there's only so much concrete you can use per level, but there's no indicator anywhere in the game about how much you have left. If they really just fixed those two things, this would be a, this would, the game would be a heck of a lot better for people like me. You really kind of think about it as like a uh, it's, it's really kind of a puzzle type game if you really think about it, because uh, each entry point into a, in a into a map tells you uh, if you click on it, it'll tell you what other roads you have to connect to. You don't necessarily have to connect to every road on the map, and then uh, the width of the arrow, which shows you where you're connecting to. Uh, shows you how much you know traffic is going from uh one point to the other so like a narrow one will have less traffic going you know to from one from from the between the two points and then the wider one will have more traffic and um once i realized that the game well it actually didn't what it actually became not as hard but still fairly difficult in some of the challenges they have you do because it's like in one they'll have you like you know drive on the you know Say like you're going northbound. In one map, it'll have you like mm. driving on the right, like you do in North America, and then going south on the left. But then at the top of the map, they like totally switch. Like there's a country border there that uh, is not mentioned anywhere, and so it gets to some really bizarre, um, bizarre routing uh, puzzles. But uh, all in all, <clears throat> it is a fun game, and I really do truly enjoy it. Haven't played any Half Life Two uh, for a little bit again because. Uh, I love the game, but I just don't relish playing it and getting more headaches. Mm, relish. And, uh, testing a few things out on my 65XE. Oh, um, nice. And, um, oh, I believe I mentioned uh, in previous episode about uh, having the idea to use a, a slide potentiometer. Potenti- pot- potentiometer, yes. Oh, I a got, slide I got pot. Right. Okay, a slide pot like they use in the radio business uh, for a paddle controller. Well... Uh, I may have mentioned that one of a friend of the show, Mike Bowler, hi Mike, uh, actually heard me say that and uh, he took it upon himself to design a pair and uh, he gave me the prototype and um, there's a, I I pointed out a few things that I would probably tweak a little bit, but uh, it takes like a little bit more gentle touch than a rotary potentiometer. But uh, it's still an interesting way to play, and um, oh, I wanted to try that out on uh, the weekend. Yeah, I forgot um, to ask but I, you I couldn't for... because <laughs> there was one big glaring thing I did tell him that tell him to uh, to look into because uh, because the way he has it designed <laughs> uh, won't uh, won't work on uh, either my Atari XE or my seventy eight hundred, and oh. that even though it works on his twenty six hundred, but uh, instead of um, but he has like uh, one of the uh, what is it the DB nine ports but he has it like on a box uh i suggested uh, for the for for uh, the next revision just buy a bunch of uh, sega genesis extension cords and use those because the way he has it designed 
or the way it is right now, uh, I need a new, I would need an extension cord to play it anyway. Kind of like it's the same situation with the Atari Vox. It just won't right. fit because of the uh, the design of the uh, the device and uh, the lip on the console. Oh. So uh, I think he's gonna he's he's definitely gonna do another another revision. But uh, overall, they work they work really well. And um, so I'm looking to see what else he has up his sleeve for this. And I'm like, oh. you perfect this. I told him, you know, if you perfect this thing, I bet you can sell. Maybe not a lot, but I bet you could sell, uh, you know, could sell some of those things. And I most on Atari age, somebody will buy it. Yeah, <laughs> again, George Carlin nailed together not two things. Not necessarily saying never... that's a bad thing, mind you. No, no, not at all. But nailed together two things that have never been nailed together before, and some, some schmuck, schmuck will buy, buy it. it from you. Yep, yep. Probably the wisest thing he ever said. Well, most truthful, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. It's it's hey, funny. All you gotta Let's do is go to the Beetlefest marketplace someday, and that that rings true. <laughs> so. That's pretty much what I've been up to, kind of, sort of, at least play-wise. Yeah. Uh, but there's a few other things I've played, too. So, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get to get to that in a little bit. Okay. Gee, what is it that, that you didn't ask me yet that you probably should? Oh, what is it? I can't think Where of did it. you go? What did you play? Oh, what did I play? Oh, oh thank I you for I asking. Ask you. Hmm, let me see. What did I play? Well, it has been lately. I haven't really been playing a heck of a lot, but I did have, it, it was crazy. I had to work from home Friday and I took a lunch break. Uh, I kind of passed that time with uh, my Vectrex and mm-hmm. I was really, really getting into Mindstorm and Solar Quest. And I don't know, there's something about those two games. I had those when I was a kid back in the early 80s. And I just was really, really, really getting into them. I'm sure part of it has to do with that I now have custom overlays for them, mm-hmm. uh, courtesy of uh, Steve Cray, I believe his name is. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you need, if you need Vectrex overlays, he's he's got some pretty quality overlays. Uh, if uh, he's on the Vectrex Fans Unite uh, Facebook page, mm-hmm. I do believe he's got a thread in Atari Age too in the Vectrex forum. But he's got some custom overlays, and uh, they're not as thick and rigid as the originals, but they still work very well. And uh, so I, I wanted to try those out, and I was just super getting into Solar Quest, which is a Cinematronics arcade game that was ported to Vectrex. And it's an Asteroids clone, sort of. You shoot things and you pick up survivor astronauts i believe and uh and you avoid crashing into the sun it's a very fun game and mindstorm which is the built-in game if you don't put a cartridge in your vectrex and you fire up the vectrex you get mindstorm which is another asteroids clone except what happens is uh those of you not familiar with the vectrex there is kind of a spaceship that flies down the middle of the screen and it distributes mines across the sky and then a few mines at a time kind of explode into these things you have to shoot thingies uh, or something. And it's basically asteroids from there really in, in short. And I haven't played those games in like 30 some years. And (laughs) man, I was doing so freaking well on those. I mean, going from say nine years old to 43 years old, didn't lose a single bit of skill on those things. I was was having so much fun. And I, it just hit me too, that Mindstorm doesn't really have a lot of artificial intelligence in it. Hmm. it's really making me think maybe I should learn how to homebrew for the 7,800 or 2,600 or something using the, the equivalent basic. Mm-hmm. And I could probably make a, a passable Mindstorm clone, except I Do can't it. design graphics worth the crap. Well, at least Mindstorm doesn't have a, 
I would say it's not really technically graphically intensive. I mean, with the vector graphics and also you could take a few liberties. Oh, yeah. The only thing that I saw that might be a challenge is the perspective of the spaceship that flies down the screen at the beginning of every level. Mm -hmm. Like you can see it kind of fly away, as it were, and get smaller. I wouldn't know how to begin doing that. Well, that's why there are other people around Atari age be able to be able to to help you out with that. Oh, yeah. And uh, let's see. Also, um, I decided to try for the Twin Galaxies high score record in uh, Bonk on the Atari 7800. Mm -hmm. And I set up a phone camera and recorded my game. And I beat the Twin Galaxies record by about eh, 9,000, I think. And still not a terribly high score, just 155,000 something. And seriously, there was a time once when I just decided to sit down and play bunk and I got over 330,000, but I couldn't submit it because I had no evidence, Uh but I had this and here's the thing. And uh, this is going to kind of transition in today's, into today's topic. If, uh, uh, if I may, but I did this high score attempt at Midwest gaming classic because we had our pie factory podcast table in the vendor hall at Midwest gaming classic. Yay. And I figured, hey, maybe draw some attention. I'll play some bonk, try for a Twin Galaxies record. And at 19 and a half minutes in, who walks by our table but Walter Day, the guy in the referee shirt, the guy who basically started, who literally started Twin Galaxies when it was just in a little arcade in Otumwa, Iowa. He's at our table. I said, oh, hey, Walter. And I, I moved the camera and I pointed at him. Hey, look, look, everybody, it's Walter Day. And then I put the camera back. But then I realized the round, the next round had already started. So technically there was already really some gameplay going on. And I figured, you know what? Twin Galaxies, the, <laughs> the people in Twin Galaxies will probably not accept this because it, it was missing some gameplay. So I decided I'm not going to submit it. Uh, I submitted it to highscore.com. And uh, I mentioned this during a previous episode, but Hyde cut it out. But one of the reasons that when we talk about games in this show and uh, the high scores, I don't go to highscore.com yet. Uh, well, one of the reasons is it's, it's it's brand spanking new. It's only a year or so old. So it it's basically got high score records that are like 3,000 points while there are people who aren't high scorers who get like a million, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and another reason is because highscore.com, even though it works a little bit like twin galaxies and that other people have to decide if you really did score that they don't require much evidence at all. All they require specifically the, the, like the minimum you need is a screenshot of your final score and mm-hmm. something in the picture indicating that it's you, like like a piece of paper with your username on it, which I don't know. I don't know if I like that, but hey, there are rules. I got to follow them. Mm-hmm. So, th- of course, they, did, they do suggest using a, a YouTube video, which is exactly what I did. So I posted it there, and so far there are people voting it up. And... Uh, Oh, I gotta, I gotta say, it's one of our, one of our uh, friends, PJ Steele, who's one of our Patreon sponsors, commented, "Well, because, because I commented that I wasn't going to submit it to Twin Galaxies because of what happens about nineteen and a half minutes in." And PJ Steele said, "Well, what better way to have your Twin Galaxies world record attempt ruined than by having Walter Day walk by past you?" And it's like, yeah, that's very true. So. So that's uh, what I've been playing lately. Um, so yeah, um, why don't why don't we um, share our memories, our experiences of uh, Midwest Gaming Classic 2018, and hopefully encourage more people to to come to this thing. 
first of all, April is the perfect month. Oh, there go my keys. Uh, first of all, April is the perfect month in Milwaukee to have a uh, have a big uh, gathering of retro gaming enthusiasts from around the country. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, because the weather's just so awesomely beautiful, and there's no snow, and it's, it's almost cold. a month the, into spring, you know. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, it, it's very important that when you come up to Milwaukee in April, that you dress with a light jacket because that's all. Which you I need. did. Yes, yes, I did. I believe everybody did dress for April, and um, the weather was crappy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> this dude. is freaking April. And as I've told a billion times, it's probably in one of the in one of the audio clips, so I'm not going to say it here. But uh, yeah, this weather's just been bizarre. But this is the payback for having a 70 degree February last year. But yeah. they're in the Wisconsin Center, which is like right in the middle of all where all of the the sports arenas are in downtown Milwaukee. And uh, first of all, Milwaukee, um, I want to spend more time there. That's like a, it's like a, it's really a beautiful city. At least the areas it's we were in. Dead city, from what I could tell. Well, it's not everyone ugly was at the by convention any means, center. by the way. It's a dead city because everyone was at the convention center. Yeah, uh, right. And, of course, they were staying off the roads for the most part because I think they got, what, two, three inches of snow while we were there. And they don't clean the roads properly up there. Man, it's, um, compared well, to Chicago. I, I didn't stay in Milwaukee. I stayed in one of the suburbs, and I heard plows going all night long. But even then, they couldn't keep up with it. Yeah, apparently they don't salt the roads in Milwaukee. They sell really? them. That explains yeah. actually why the roads seem in actually so much better condition than they do in Illinois. But they moved to the Milwaukee Center from the uh, from the old uh, hotel in... Uh, yeah, there's a Sheraton in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Sheraton in Brookfield. Uh, first of all, in Brookfield, they had a tent for all of the uh, the vendors because the venue was just too, too too small for the thing, How you know how fast it was growing. And... Um, I'd heard rumors that in the past some vendors had uh, pulled out of the event because of the you know rain getting in the tent and all that, but there was no fear of that here. In fact, no. I would say that the uh, Midwest Gaming Classic this year is three times larger than what it had been previously at the Sheraton. At Just least. a rough estimate for me, and I've heard some rumors, some uh, some rumors, maybe some talk, whatever that it very well could be larger than Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Yeah. Um, which uh, would be huge. Uh, I mean, you're talking a freaking huge convention center. They had um, a bunch of rooms on the lower floor where Galloping Ghost, Guys, Games, and Beer. Hey, Tom, Bob, Larry. Uh, Pixel Blast was down there. Uh, and then they had some vendors uh, for, you know, like buttons and stuff for uh, for arcade machines and a bunch of different displays. And that's where all of the presentation halls and that were. Upstairs, they had um, one gigantic room where all the vendors were. And, okay, I got to ask this question. Why is it at every convention, no matter what it is, it could be retro gaming, it could be campers, it could be a gun show, it could be, I don't know, a Tupperware convention or whatever, there's always one vendor <laughs> selling gutters and storm windows. I know, WT Frack. Why, why is that? Actually, it's every... they don't have that at Beetlefest. Really? Well, yeah. Maybe there is one convention. But then again, maybe it has to, maybe, you know what? I wonder if it has, and actually, I'm kind of serious about what I'm pondering here. I wonder if it has something to do with the contract with the facility. It might be, because didn't we see that at Video Game Summit? I don't I think remember. we did at the Odium. It may be. I don't know. Or maybe it's just people trying to make a buck, but uh, but I don't know. But that's, that's that, that just seems to be a thing with this kind of a show. Maybe not a Beetlefest. I think that's a little bit different of a situation, but... 
or maybe not. I don't know. But excuse it, me, the fest for Beatles fans. Oh yes, correct. I, I sorry, <laughs> Apple lawyers. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, there was one of those. There was one other that there was one other vendor in the hall that just seemed out of place. I can't recall what it was right off the top of my head. But um, but yeah, they had a huge hall. That's where all of the restaurants or restaurants, uh, the food vendors were for the most part. There, I think there was a pizza and the uh, yeah, and they Jersey. were out of pepperoni when I got in line. And this was at noon. How do you run out of like a popular pizza topping at noon? Well, I've asked similar questions before, but you know, there you go. But but they also had a Jersey Mike's out in the hallway too. Ugh. Oh, and in the hallway they also had like artists row where people were with like t-shirts. Yeah, and I'll tell you if there's ever stuff. anything that makes me decide to not go to Midwest Gaming Cast Midwest Castle? Gaming Classic, it'll be the presence of Jersey Mike's there. I've, I've had them a couple of times. I like them. Oh, by the way, Jersey Mike's, that does not mean we wouldn't like you to advertise with us. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) we're nothing if not hoes. Um, Give us money. Money, money, money. Um, So, but the the vendor hall was just gigantic. And there was something else interesting, too. When the uh, the event was at the, uh, well, I'll get to the the, the arcade hall in a moment here. But... um, at the Sheraton Hotel, it was like typical hotel ballrooms and then the tent. I mean, everybody's been under a tent for like a beer fest or something like that. Of course. This was equivalent of of a miniature-sized um, McCormick place in Chicago. I mean, very it's, miniature. It was, very miniature, but, huge, I mean, though. but when you get inside, it was like the, the high ceilings. I mean, it was like 20, 30 feet high, whatever. And uh, it's just like, just spacious. And the biggest thing with with this event over the uh, the previous location is, like I said, they had the vendor hall hall was under a tent outside at the Sheraton. Everyone had to squeeze through this narrow hallway. In fact, I think that's where the entrance uh, for the event was was actually in the tent at the old place. You had to go through this narrow hallway to get between the arcade and the the presentation halls and everything between there and the the vendor tents. And uh, that was a real pain in the ass. Uh, and then the hotel, I mean, they had rooms for, for different exhibitors or whatever. But it, it got to be really confusing, and it was a really horrible layout, uh, just given the venue. I mean, just given the size of the event versus the venue. I mean, the hotel is what it is. No complaints about that. The event is what it is. The event just grew, grew too fast. And the uh, where they're at now was just so much better, so much more spacious that I'm like for the first time I was thinking, I think I'm going to bring my family next the next year because you really cannot get lost <laughs> uh, with the uh, with the way the event is set up at the Wisconsin Center. There's plenty of space. That hallway was so claustrophobic at the Sheraton. It was just amazing. Hmm. It was huge. It was, well actually no, it wasn't huge. It was tiny. So the event was, or the venue was much larger. But going on to the uh, to the arcade hall, uh, first of all, the arcade slash history hall, uh, you know, museum hall, was about half the size of the vendor hall. It was still huge without being, but it was like half the size of the vendor hall. They had all of the, uh, the classic computers and consoles and stuff there, and there were some really neat, uh, neat um... cauliflower. Yes, uh, some really neat cauliflower on dis- uh, uh, displays on display there, and uh, our friends uh, Matt Reichert and uh, oh gosh, I'm f- dropping, I'm forgetting his name. Shlomo McCarthy. An Atari Age's bass bass guitarian. Ah, and I'm trying. I don't know his name either. 
and I know it because but I never knew we, we messaged uh, on Facebook. Last name. Uh, I can grab it real quick. Jeffrey Koss. Jeffrey Koss. Um, Boss Jeff Koss. Yes, had their um, had their stuff set up there, and Jeffrey Koss took away my little baby ad, my you know baby Adam computer, and right after I dropped it off there, I patted it and I shed a little tear for my Adam, which is a computer I grew up with. But I know it's in good hands, and he's going to get it going. And they were able to power it on and find out there was a few uh, few problems with it. They didn't get a chance to test the floppy drive. Last time I tested the flabby drive, it worked. Hopefully, it will still will. But those things have like like uh, rubber bands and stuff in them, so who knows at this point uh, if it still works and the same or not. But uh, but yeah, so like the first like third of it was uh, was the history and the history museum area. The next portion was all arcade games, and I was really pretty shocked to see that it seemed like upstairs. Now, Pixel Blast, Galloping Ghost, and uh, Star Worlds had all their displays on the lower floor in the in the med- in the the, the, the smaller uh, smaller ballrooms, and that's where the presentation hall. So there was a lot of video games down there. But in the main hall, it seemed to me like pinball outnumbered the video games by like two to one. It was just amazing the amount of pinball there. Stern had their whole thing up there. Um, there was a lot of brand new pinball now. I made this observation on a video I posted to Facebook, but um, I think we're just at the very beginning of the second golden era of arcade video gaming. However, we're well within the third golden era of pinball. And when you saw all of the stuff that they had on display there, all of the new pinballs, and it's not just Stern. Just even three, four years ago, it was Stern was really the only major player. Now there are pinball companies popping up all over the place, showing off their wares. Um, they obviously had uh, had the Aerosmith and the Batman 66 pinball from previous years. Stern also had, uh, this year, dis- uh, showed off an Iron Maiden pinball machine. Iron Maiden, Legacy of the Beast. And that is one of the best pinball machines I've ever played in my life. Can't say I'm really that familiar with Iron Maiden's music. I know some of their songs, but not completely familiar. But uh, the pinball machine made me want to delve into their catalog and listen to some of their stuff. Another independent company actually had a pinball called Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, which was uh, pretty fun. Um, there were some other new ones there. That, um, I think one was called Alien Extermination. I'm drawing a blank on some of them there. But uh, there was, there had to been at least three or four brand new, uh, new pinball companies I had never heard of before having their wares on display here at uh, the Midwest Gaming Classic. And it was just incredible to see the resurgence of it. But that's not to say there aren't some video gaming new concepts in video gaming there. Um, I did finally get a chance to play Cosmotrons, but only for like about two or three minutes. Multiplayer? Three player. Oh, good, good. And uh, I have to say that uh, that is a really, really impressive game. My only problem with it is I only got to play it for three minutes uh, because I had totally forgotten that I was wanting to get over there to play it. When you're manning a table at a convention or something, it is really, really hard to get out to really see much of the convention. And Sean and I were taking shifts. Um, We had the good fortune of having our good friend uh, Bill Pepper uh, from the the Atari Bytes podcast. His table was almost, almost literally right behind us. Uh, It it was, it was offset by one, but he was like behind us. And so um, 
every now and then if me and if Sean and I had to get up for some reason, say like Sean was looking around, but I had to make a stop to the tingle pit, I'd ask if he could watch uh, watch the table for us, and he came over and helped us out a few times. He brought oh, thanks, his whole Bill. family. I did, I did not know that. Was, oh, man, what a guy! What a he's a great he's guy. a great guy. He's a really nice guy. He's it was a um, pleasure to meet his family. It, oh yeah, you know. finally got to meet the illustrious Henry. Yep. So um, <laughs> Henry is famous. Yes. Yes. And you know what? We had a little chat with uh, Bill, and uh, why don't we share that with our friends right now? Yes, why don't we do that? We're right near the stage at the Midwest Gaming Classic, and um, before we go any further, we should probably introduce that we actually have a guest. Hey, we have a guest. This is Gabe. Who is Uh, this? No applause is needed. Uh, Hi, I'm Bill. I'm from the uh, Atari Bytes podcast. And I was trying to do my job at my table, and these guys kept bothering me to come over and talk to them. So I thought it was well, fine, actually, whatever. Well, we just kept bothering you, not necessarily to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we just so, like uh, bother, bother people. Yeah, so it's my first time at MGC. I'm having a good time. Nice. Yeah. So what's been going on over at the uh, Atari Bytes slash, uh, uh, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown uh, uh, table? Uh, a lot of activity, meeting lots of nice people. Uh, I got a fan earlier who wanted to take a picture with me. That was oh, pretty awesome. cool. Oh, neat. Uh, Nobody fans that don't want a picture. So, uh, so Andrew, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this show, uh, thanks. That was cool. So, Very much so. And yeah. um, oh, and uh, Bill is also the author of um, in the Saint Nick in, of Time. In the Saint Nick of Time. Yes. A, you know, let him plug the book. A Santa Claus the title. A Santa Claus <laughs> theme novel for adults, and you should go get it, even though it's uh, May as we're wait. No, it's what is it? It's April, it's April right now. Yeah. Thank you. As yeah. we're recording, I think it's this. just going to get colder in May. Oh, are you selling any of those here today? Or? No, I'm ah. not, but I, I should. Oh, yeah, you, you have to fill out all the tax stuff. Yeah. Well, that might not be a bad idea. Yeah, we're actually in the I'll remember hall, that next so. year. So. You need to write You know what you should do? Yeah. Is you should take all of your stories from the podcast and put them in book form. I so. should do that. Because the, the nature of your podcast versus other ones, for people that don't do listening for the first time, Bill um, takes his takes and plays and basically reviews Atari 2600, 7800, whatever games... But he throws the manual out and develops his own story. So it's total original work. And in fact, I told this to Doc Mac, and he's, yeah. I think it was Doc Mac, he's like, that's one of the most original things I've ever heard. I should have recorded that and played it on the show. Should uh, have. Yeah. And, so. um, it's the, never uh, too late. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's what he does. And more so than other video game-based podcasts, I think yours would work in a print form. Oh, yeah. And you might actually be able to expand them and go long form. That had not occurred to me until this moment. I'm going to do that. I'm an idea man. That's why I'm poor. And it would be a good companion piece to the Tim Lapidino Art of Atari book. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. And my neck, by the way, hurts from talking to these guys because of the way we're positioned here. I'm like in front, but we should show. You can't really tell from an audio. It's hard to hear. Ow, my neck hurts. There, now you can help. You can talk. Sweet. All right, now that things are back on the right track. Um, I, I have it, impromptu. The other uh, great thing today is I got to meet some cool people. You oh, helped yeah. uh, introduce me to some people. Uh, Chat a little, bit, a little bit with Jeff Lee, Brian Toland. Uh, 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 yeah. King Henry VIII. King, I'm we, sorry. We yeah. talked about this. Yes, yeah. yes. King Edward III. Oh, that's right, King Edward III. Uh, you that's just right. tell me who you introduced me to, that's all. So, you know. We can't name drop, name drop. apparently. So, so Sean, how are you doing, Sean? So, Sean, <laughs> I'm, right. into, I'm introducing my friend uh, Bill here. Bill. Bill is a Sean. I met Sean him Bill. earlier, Bill, yeah. Bill, Sean, Sean, Bill, Bill, Bill. I meant to put him with the first name on that list. I, I forgot. I apologize. You know what? I'm going to just start dropping. You met award winning podcasters. I was going to ask you about that. Thing on your shirt is that that's a real thing, right? 
Yes. Sort okay. Of. All right. Yes and no. All right. The guy who gave us the award here is at the show. Somewhere. Are you the oh, yeah. first and only winner? No. All right. No. We are the we're, last. We're the last. We're the final winners. Wow. Because he discontinued so that could be the either good, That could be either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say they just said they, there was, they could not find anyone better to top you. Or after us, he's like. This is pointless. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's, that was probably it. <laughs> well, congratulations anyway. You're still a board thank winner, you. so. Yeah. <laughs> What's the coolest thing you've seen so far at this show? Besides us. I'm, I was going to say, I'm doing it right now. There you go. There yeah. you have it. Oh, man. The Pie Factory something. booth is where you got to be at yeah. MGC. You're also a very good liar, and we appreciate it. I am. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, thank you for lying. <laughs> Jimmy G, what's the coolest thing you've seen so far at this show? The ice in my drink. Aside from this space right here. The ice in my drink is the coolest thing. No, actually, actually, walking back here from from Galloping Ghost, it's snowing outside, so that is the coolest thing I've seen. Oh, that's that's true. Okay. It's coming down pretty good. Yeah. How about the funnest thing you guys have seen outside of what is located within the confines Seriously, of our Seriously, the coolest thing I've seen so far is the color vector. Yes. Uh, Vectrex arcade machine. That was cool. The yeah. second coolest yes. thing is the Vectrex arcade machine. Yeah. Yeah, Tom from. Uh, let's Ge- be honest. The coolest thing you're going to see at this is Geig's Games and Beer. Yeah, absolutely. They're it the, the most awesome. I introduced him to uh, Tom, Bob, and Drunken Larry. Oh, yeah. good. You met Drunken Larry. You met Drunken Larry. Very cool guy. You come to MGC. You have if you meet nobody else. I don't care yeah. if it's I don't care if it's Eugene Jarvis or Jeff Lee or Brian Cullen. You have to meet Drunk Larry. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I guess what I like here, I just like the people. You know. Everybody yeah. I've met has been very oh, nice. Yeah. Community. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I love ignoring people as they walk past our table <laughs> while we're talking amongst ourselves, too. Yeah. <laughs> Next year, we should probably actually work things better to where we could actually record at the table so get people look at us and point and laugh. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, so they could point and laugh at us while, so while we could look at them back. The way we're kind of set now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of weird, yeah. Yeah. And maybe we should put up a screen so they can't throw rocks and garbage at us. <laughs> so uh, if you guys were going to cosplay... Uh, MGC or whatever. What would you do? Uh, I would. He's come, already got. His I would come dressed as a as a uh, award winning podcaster. His nickname awesome. is Dauber. Yes, I know. Do you know why? Would that be a reference to Coach? Exactly. Yeah. When I was in college, it's all I heard. Hey, you're the, you look like the guy from Coach. <laughs> They're bring, I, I worked on the college's football team too. They're bringing that show back. Oh, jeez. I think it's like a Netflix thing. Hey, Stranger Things is my Netflix show. I've still got to watch. Season I haven't watched season two, two yet. It's, I ought to see the whole Dragon Slayer episode. I found season two very satisfying. Okay. That was that that I think that show lived up to its hype. You know, we've got here at MGC we've got the DeLorean. Yes. yes. Netflix is making a Back to the Future series. Oh really? Which really? I'm a little uneasy about. I don't know if that's a good idea. Having among said, among the three of us we have Oh, good morning. We have four different podcasts and so far the con- the conversation Wow. Has Be gone into back. conversation about nothing about any of those four. No, we're doing a really nice job of not talking about yeah. why we're here. Wait, four? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. that's right. Uh, the, the Charlie Brown podcast. Charlie Brown? Which there's a new episode due out tomorrow. There which, is. Uh, or, or, like, or like three one. weeks from tomorrow. Uh, you're I'm, get, I'm leaving right now. You just said you didn't subscribe to the Charlie Brown podcast? I'm well, out of here. I meant on a philosophical level. I'm out of here. No, I, I, I meant on a philosophical level. All right. I'll let it go. I don't subscribe to uh, Just yeah. like I don't subscribe to Scientology. So, yeah, so I'll plug the uh, It's yeah. a Podcast, Charlie Brown. Comes out, maybe you just said it. Comes out on the 15th of every month. Yes. Uh, deep dive into Charlie Brown and Snoopy and whatever what you want to know. What if the month so. doesn't have a 15th? Oh. See, you got to think about these things. 
that would be the 13th month of the year that does not have a 15th month. Wow, yeah. lousy smarts weather. Robot party week. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, uh, all right, so you've got another podcast. What, what's your other thing? Uh, the other thing is the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast, which... It's a continuation of the Atari 7800 game by game po- podcast started by Phil. Okay, oh, he didn't want to cover point. homebrew, I so I think we talked about the cosplayers. Yeah, my daughter would love this. That guy's dressed up as a character from Five Nights at Freddy's. Have you met Bill from Atari Bytes? I think so. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. by the table. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? And have you met Bill from It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown? I have not. I, I have same, guy. same guy. It's easy. You can meet me once, and oh, you've done it. Yeah. And have you met Bill, the author of uh, uh, in the same I wear many time? hats. Yeah. Have you met Bill, I, I the playwright? I don't even know what that's from, and I think it's funny. Wait, is he Why? also a puppeteer? I am not a puppeteer. Okay. Ah. Uh, he's a puppet I, would, I would not rule it out, though. I, I ah. might give it a shot. Yeah. He's not, he's not a master of puppets. He's a no. master of Muppets. Ah. I he love does. the Muppets. I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who, yeah. who with a soul doesn't? Well, classic Muppets. Yeah, yeah. Some true. of the yeah. later Disney stuff. Yeah, is. I think yeah. once once uh, Jim Henson died, I don't know. I'm the original bit. Muppet movie is one of the finest pieces of children's e- entertainment ever made. And no, adult correction. entertainment, too. Well, depends on which Muppet movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Bum chicka wow. Yeah. It's a myth. A myth. myth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's really a lot of awesome stuff here. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. there's a guy down here selling glass dioramas of classic. Ew. Oh, diorama. Okay, yeah. Cha cha cha. Um, yes, we yes, did, we, did you see the yes. one next to it too? Yes. Tom, I, I was just talking about how Tom and I, like, we're in this intense two-player game of ripoff. So what's the real story about Sean? Yeah. He's the he's the inspiration behind Uncle Pooh. <laughs> yeah, just turn that up. And, uh, and Charlie Chuck, thank you very much. Yeah, that's true. You, you know, you should cosplay as Charlie Chuck. Well, I have to lose about 600 pounds first. <laughs> I actually was tossing around the idea hacking the food fight graphics, turning all of the food into pies, and uh, changing the title screen to Pie Factory. Ooh. I was actually seriously concerned. I know how to do the graphics hack. It's just, oh, there I'm we lazy. Go. <laughs> Interesting. But hey, again, thanks uh, to Bill Pepper for joining us here for well, a little bit. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll probably awesome. uh, maybe do a little more recording because he wants us to do, a, what do they call it, a stinger for his yeah, podcast. Yeah, I told Jim I was going to make you guys record make us silly... <laughs> And hey, I'm like, come on, make me. Make me. You can't yeah. make me do anything. You so. can't make me do anything, Dad. Right. Thanks, oh, guys. you know what we forgot? We forgot to get Henry to say hi. Oh. Henry? He's right there. I don't think he he's in the mood right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. going to be around tomorrow, too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, not Wait. going anywhere. So, so uh, yeah, there we have it, uh, Bill. Pa- and uh, Bill is the host of Atari. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we mentioned we it before. That. But, we, he's, but we didn't mention he's also a host of It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. Indeed. Um and um, links in the show notes indeed and oh and the author of in the saint nick of time link in the show notes mm-hmm. it's it's obviously christmas themed but it's not a book for kids uh it's got some uh it's got some blue words in it <laughs> but it's seriously i like do not like, I, I just don't like reading fiction i absolutely and i'm dead serious I would say this if we didn't know who he was at all. That is a really, really good book. Absolutely. I'm going to be I reading it I still have to get a copy. Year. Yeah. It's on my to-do list or to-get list or whatever. But um, but uh, no, really, we are, well, we're on Victor's to-get list because we're well, two-gets. We're two yeah, lion gets. I, I wish I would have been able to snap a picture of it, but it is in the, the video I took of the arcade hall. But there were two separate prototype pinball machines that were pretty much stripped bare. So you could see uh, basically how they design or whatever. 
And uh, the one of them right in the middle of the table, it said, Gits. <laughs> so uh, that was that, that was off. That was for uh, Sean Holly, Victor Marland, and Bobby Adad Moore. By and the way, Bobby Adad Moore. Hi, Bobby. But I like Bobby. Well, you know what? I can't say it was for Bobby because he did buy one of our Tinkle Pit stickers. That's right. Actually, he bought ten of our Tinkle Pit stickers. Ten uh, of our Tinkle Pit stickers. That we yes. have we have available on uh, Redbubble.com. Link in the show notes. Indeed, we're if nothing if not whores yeah, pumping yeah. yourself out, and. Um, we had a quantity of Tinkle Pit stickers, and yep. by gummit, dad gummit, we're going to make Tinkle Pit a household name if it kills us. Yep. And then once that happens, we gotta name a we gotta make a household name out, out of something else. Then Uncle Pooh, Uncle Pooh. There we go. So quite simple. Well, you know, as that. why can't we multitask? Mm, well, one thing at a time. One thing at a time. I did not make it to the arcade hall. I did not make it to the pinball area. That's one of the downsides of being an actual like exhibitor slash vendor mm-hmm. is that you don't really get a chance to see everything but uh, at the same time let me just say one thing though uh real quick about that i mentioned yeah. how um i'm planning on bringing my family next year i did tell them that there is uh that um uh, if they're going to get any spending money they're going to have to earn it and one of the ways they will earn spending money from midwest gaming classic next year is to help man the table Ooh, there you go so, there we go. And they're, my youngest will be 16 by then, so... Yay! Yeah, I know. Good <laughs> Where does time go? But uh, so there we are. Um, so we will be covered next year. So you can continue with your story. I just wanted to give you some happy news. Aw, well, that, that's very happy. Yeah. Uh, we had to pick a time to arrive on Friday night for all the, the vendors and exhibitors. You had to choose a time slot, say, okay, we, you can expect us around this time. And it was so easy. I just drove right. I, I I almost drove all the way into the convention center. And I remember Gary was like, whoa, 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 whoa easy there, fella. <laughs> <laughs> but I unloaded the car and he pointed us to our table, which was right freaking there. And I was like, wow, that's it. And I just unloaded myself. It's like, okay, there we go. Back to the hotel. <laughs> and uh, I remember coming back later. We, uh, uh, My wife and I had dinner and then I, I went back to the convention center to, to uh, set up. And I got everything set up, and uh, just because I am, if nothing else, I'm an attention slut, so uh, I was like, you know what, why don't I sneak some attention in for podcast number two for the Atari 7800 Homebrew podcast, which is probably going on a hiatus sooner than later, just simply due to the lack of material until we get more Homebrew stuff coming out. Uh, So I had my 7800 set up. And in order to stick a, to tie a little bit into Pie Factory's theme of arcade games, I put Robotron. Uh, hold on, hold on. This week in Robotron. Okay, as I was saying, I put Robotron in the 7800, and I hooked up the Ed Lydon Super Twin 78 because that is a homebrew controller. Mm-hmm. So I had that out. I put out my 7800. I laid out the business cards, the business card holder, the sticker holders uh, made with Lego bricks. And put up our sign uh, with masking tape. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I not think to bring regular clear tape? I don't know. But uh, we we have some potential solutions for next year for that. But uh, I get everything set up. So I decide, okay, now I better test everything. I turned on the power supply. Power supply flipped on. TV comes on. I hit on off on the Atari 7800 and uh, nothing. Nothing. And I'm thinking, okay, what's this? My first thought is, okay, it might just be an electrical problem somehow with the convention center because we we paid extra for the electricity. And it could be that 
there are some bugs in the system or something. Maybe it's just not powering properly. So flipped the uh, plugs on the uh, power strip around a little bit. Still nothing. Tried some more stuff, and the power light on the 7800 came on for like three seconds and went out, and I'm just panicking because what am I going to do? I, I brought this for a reason, and I don't have power now. So I'm thinking it's the power supply. So I posted a desperation message on Midwest Gaming Classics Facebook page. Hey, if anybody has a 7800 power supply to lend or sell, come to the Pie Factory table. I posted the same thing on Atari Age in the Midwest Gaming Classic thread. I posted on my own Facebook page, and I ran around the venue, like looking at vendors who looked like they were kind of set up and just chilling. And there was one was one guy who like, saw me kind of walking around. He's like, hey, what can I do for you? I said, do you have an Atari 7800 power supply? He said, we have a bunch of power supplies here for different systems. I don't know what the 7800 power supply looks like, though. I said, hold on. I will go get you one so you know what it looks like. So I brought one. I brought mine over to him. And he said, you know what? Yeah, we don't have any of those. I was like, ah, dang. But our longtime listener friend and Patreon sponsor, Keith Sheehan, to the rescue. He said, hey, I'm going to be at the show at 11. I'll bring you my power supply. You can even use my 7800 as a backup if you need to. And so he pretty much saved the day. Of course, the thing is, Saturday morning, I get to the uh, to the table around 8.30. You were already there. And I'm thinking, you know what? Just for gits and shiggles, I'm going to try again. I, I picked up the power strip, put it on the table, flipped on the power, and I hit the on-off button on the 7800, and it fired right up. It fired right up. It was perfect. <laughs> so it, it was obvious that I needed to hold the power supply in just the right position. So that's how I had it until Keith showed up and I, I took his power supply and it worked perfectly. And I put the uh, power strip back down on the floor out of the way. And so uh, we get our microphones set up so we can do some uh, recording. And one of the USB cables didn't work. I brought three. I needed two. I couldn't find the third one. So now I had one working one and one dead one. My wife had just texted me. She said, I'm going to Walgreens. Do you need anything? And I said, funny, you should ask, dear. I need a mini USB cable. I sent her a picture of the connectors so she'd know what to look for. But meanwhile, just in case she couldn't find something, I ran around the venue. And the same vendor who looked for a 7800 power supply I yelled over to me and said, hey, did you find what you need? I said, you know what? Yes, I did. But by any chance, do you guys happen to have any mini USB cables? And he said, actually, yes, we do, my good man. How, $5 and it's yours. I was like, thank you. And there we go. Oh, so that was uh, some, of the, some of the excitement that we had to deal with. And what, what did I learn? Number one. Bring an extra USB cable, which I thought I did. And by the way, I did I did find the third USB cable as we were packing to go. Of, of course, course. That's the way it always works. And also, we really should bring like at least one more microphone instead of just one for each of us. True. But hey, what can I what can I say? But uh, I don't. Overall, I mean, I I can't say that I did not have an amazing time. It was really, really good. Really, oh, it really was good. great. I had a blast myself. Dan and Gary, like they, they really outdid themselves. And, uh, I really hate to be one of them right about now. Cause they, they, they must be absolutely dead by now. One thing I wanted to talk about too, though, was our location actually in yes. the vendor hall. First of all, we, uh, we had some, we were, we had, uh, some really nice, uh, nice people to our, to our left and to our right, you know, of, of our table, oh, yeah, um, yeah. the ones to our right. 
but uh, they were selling like vinyl stickers and stuff. Oh yeah, uh, for yeah. like your for for like windows and stuff. Yeah, the and guy jewelry that, too, and jewelry and stuff. Yeah, all homemade. Uh, really nice, uh, really nice couple. And uh, there was a there was actually a guy on the end which I really didn't get talking to until everybody was packing up to leave because they were waiting to get a spot on the dock. Uh, that's a story in and of itself, uh, apparently. But he was selling like uh, like some old Apple computers, and he had some Atari floppy drives and stuff like that there. And uh, got talking to him a little bit later on, found out we have similar tastes in music, even though he's like half my age. Uh, and then to our immediate left was a guy who was selling all sorts of anime stuff, uh, like graphic novels and uh, different uh, different items imported from Japan. Um, and uh, he had some really awesome uh, Japanese uh, soda pop that I've had before uh, at a hibachi grill restaurant out here in Naperville, name of which I am forgetting at the moment. But uh, he was selling some of that, too. And, of course, I was feeling a little parched, so I bought one off of him. And uh, he actually helped us out with our sign, too, because he had this uh, oh, yeah. sword, yeah. this uh, this uh, this anime sword thing. It was in in a, in a box, and our sign on the front of our table was curling up. And I'm like, hey, can we borrow that box? And we had taped our sign to the box to keep it, you know, our, our sign, like, uh, <laughs> flat. And he goes, oh, yeah, sure. Just, you know, we only had the masking tape, so it wasn't a big deal about, uh, you know, tearing the box to shreds and it worked quite well to keep our sign out the one thing for our booth that turned that uh, we thought was going to be a huge drawback and it was in ways but actually turned out to be uh, quite uh, quite good as well is we were the last row of vendors before the stage area and the stage yeah. area had bands playing all the time and djs and stuff and it got to be really loud um i you, i don't don't recall if in the clip that we just played uh, with bill uh, if there was any uh, music or what going on, but it was definitely going on for the interview. I got. I, we might as well do next. We thought our microphones were going to pick up all of this really, really loud music, but uh, it turned out it actually didn't uh, didn't encumber the recording. It did make it hard for me to hear Sean because even though we were sitting like only what? three feet apart, exactly, it uh, was hard to hear. But it didn't encumber the recording. So yeah, uh, yeah, I was really so, happy with how they turned out. Yeah. Um, but it, it was kind of hard to hear, so probably going to bring some headphones and a splitter, or at the very least earbuds and a splitter so that we can yeah, hear each other, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah, I got to remember that. I do have a four-way splitter, actually. So awesome. We could, so we so we could like inter, we could have like t- up to two guests, and every, all four people could have Ooh, headphones. There you go. So that, Just, that'd be uh, pretty We'll make cool. sure that we clean off the headphones between usages. Of course. Uh, and, but uh, it was also a really well, interesting... No, before we go any further, though, I mean, yeah, we found the, the music, the entertainment to be very distracting. We're not... that Nothing against the performers at all. Oh, oh definitely especially not. Especially on Sunday, there was, there, was, there was these, like, these two women and a guy singing beautiful three-part harmony, but it was still loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um... But it was also that was that was the stage where they also had the uh, the, the cosplay contest, oh, and yeah. that was really neat to see some of the innovation or innovation in inventive cosplay costumes that uh, some of the people uh, were had had. And Sven Gulli was the yep. MC for the evening. Yep, uh, Chicago's very own Sven Gulli, and uh, he did not disappoint. And uh, the winner of the cosplay costume was a little kid, must couldn't have been th- more than three or four years old. He was wearing a little uh, Super Mario Tanuki suit. It was just mu- like from Super Mario 3. It was Mario in, uh, with a little raccoon tail, and he was just so adorable. He won the grand prize of $100. And, and there were, yeah, there were, there were much more intricate costumes involved. But to see a little kid walk away with $100, I mean, that's a nice little thing oh, for yeah. him. So you, you know what? You can't complain. 
There was one guy, It was in, he was in a costume from the game Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, showed my daughter the, the costume, and she, oh yeah, he's uh, he's Shadow Freddy. So I, I, I've played the game, but I don't know who Shadow Freddy is. And uh, he, the costume was really good for having only been whipped up in three days. Wow. So uh, that was kind of cool, but uh, that was kind of neat to, to actually be right there. I did go over and, and live stream the thing so that, uh, you know, people, our fans could see it. And uh, so, Sean, actually, I saw you were watching it a little bit there, too. I was watching it simply for Sven Gulli. I don't really, I'm not a That's true. I could guy. have gotten a better angle for Sven Gulli, but he was kind of all over the stage in places. But uh, yeah. there was, a, there was a, a woman who cos, uh, cosplayed as female Sven Gulli. That was kind of Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. But we also ran into, uh, you know, a bunch of people that we've we've known over the years. Uh, we've mentioned a few of them so far. And, and you know, I would go off. Uh, go and mention everybody, but I know I'll forget people's names. And, cause, and I've been updating the the original post on my Facebook page with names as I was thinking of them. But uh, uh, ran into uh, ran into Larry Demar from uh, VidKids slash I think he's uh, Williams slash I think now he's with LED Gaming, which is uh, a gambling machine company. Uh, ran into uh, of course Doc Mac, uh, TJ Minnick from uh, Pixel Blast. Uh, our good friends Jeff Lee and Brian Colin and uh, Jeff Lee brought me a bag of maps as he promised a long time ago. And uh, oh, get check this out! Um, uh, Jeff Lee is a is an avid gamer apparently. Yeah, and uh, not like, just not just video gamers, but not all just kinds video of gamers. Games. Yeah, but like role playing games. And I think he was telling me one time that he's still involved with Dungeons and Dragons or something. Yeah, he said that uh, when he was on our show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was telling me that they were actually using the old National Geographic maps to play Risk with. Yeah. Instead of the world map, that, uh, or the world the, game I, board. And all right, like, confession Dude. time. I've never, ever played Risk. I have no idea how to play Risk, but that just sounds freaking awesome. I absolutely love Risk. It's one of my favorite board games. So I had never thought of actually playing Risk with National Geographic maps before, but now I've got an idea. Uh, to try it, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, so yeah, we we ran into them. Um, uh, and something I want to tail, I want to tail onto that. Uh, sure. Our friend S fifteen hundred from Atari Age spent oh. some quality time with him, who tr- who was very kind and treated us to dinner to uh, breakfast. So uh, thank yes. you so much, Ryan. Yes, thank, thank you. you, thank and you, Ryan. It was at uh, the, there's a a little like greasy spoon place across from uh, the Hyatt. It was called the uh, it's called George Webb's. Might be a chain in Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure it is actually. And uh, when we when we saw um, Brian, Col- excuse me, when we saw King Henry the Eighth, he said he was thinking of uh, going to breakfast there. Well, I, I I talked to him on Sunday actually, and he said, by the way, I went to that George Webb's place, and I said, well, how did you like it? He said, I really really liked it a lot. I went there twice, and I'm probably going to go there one more time before I leave. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just a. Cheap little greasy spoon place, but it was really, really nice. I really highly enjoyed it. I hope it was cheap for uh, S1500's sake, at least. It says here on George Webb's website, first of all, it is a chain. Uh, Secondly, it says on their website, open 23 hours, 59 minutes, seven days a week, including Sunday. Wow. Uh, You never hear the 23 hours and 59 minutes. So that's interesting. But that was like, that was really good. It was uh, was like Wisconsin's version of Waffle House. And I love Waffle House, but. I know people have opinions on that. So um, I'll tell you this. I didn't hate Waffle House, but I have no desire to go back. But I, looks I, like George I would Webbs, absolutely go back to George Webb. So. It looks like George Webb's is mostly uh, around the Milwaukee area, with the exception of one north of, about about an hour north of Green Bay. Uh, but they're, they're mostly all around Milwaukee. 
close. There's actually one in uh, in Kenosha. Ah, that's not far. Oh, dude, it's on the same exit with the uh, Mars Cheese Castle and the Bong, Bong Recreation. Recreation Area. Yeah, that's uh, exit 340, if I remember correctly. That is correct. Yeah. It would be so awesome if it was 420, but Wisconsin's not that big. Yeah, and I love that the Bong Recreational Area exit sign was apparently a very popular photo shoot when the Grateful Dead were uh, playing at Alpine Valley. <laughs> oh, there was, I, I, it was, I think, one of the official Milwaukee area um, t-shirt websites, you know, the tour, the tourism, whatever. Uh, you can get uh, Bong Recreation Area t-shirts, yeah. and uh, I'm going to order one of those <laughs> at some point. But um, it's named after, what was it, Richard Bong, I think his name is? Something I don't like know. That. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, we saw uh, S1500, we saw Thanatos from Atari Age, who demonstrated a custom uh, Atari 78 homebrew that was made just for him, commissioned by his wife. It was called uh, Pickles Eats Everything. And who is Pickles? Pickles is Thanatos' family beagle. (laughs) They took the beagle and made a video game. Well, it was basically uh, Franco Dragon on Atari Age. He uh, made a homebrew called Fat Axel, which is a... Uh, fast food clone. You control Axel Rose, and he's basically eating everything and avoiding pools, uh, not poodle pools, poodles and Slash because he hates both apparently. <laughs> and he, what he did was he remade Fat Axel, put some more color into it, and uh, basically turned it into fast food. But instead of chattering teeth, you're controlling a beagle. So I, I, um, I took some video of that, and uh, I'll be happy to share it in the show notes. Uh, so he was a Franco dragon was going to be there. Cause he had some new 7,800 homebrews. He wanted to demo, but the weather kept him away. Mm. He said, he said, yeah, I paid for my ticket, but I'd rather make sure that I live. Right. <laughs> so, In fact, I think that's why uh, a, a our, lot of people uh, our, didn't make it there. Yeah. As I say, I think that's why our friends, uh, Tim and Andy from, uh, from super podcast brothers couldn't make it. I believe is because of the weather. It they really got dumped on in Minneapolis. Yeah, uh, they yeah. got they got like a foot and a half of snow in April. Yeah, yeah, we felt really bad they couldn't make it, so we sent them a little uh, present that yeah, we hopefully cheered them pick up. me up. And in fact, yeah. why don't uh, we t- we talked to? Uh, t- uh, oh we, yes, uh, why don't we talk about uh, talk about this? Is one of our many interviews, and uh, why don't we? Do you think this would be a good place to drop this particular interview in? I think it would. And uh, let's give some some background here. Uh, Ryan Berger at Old School Gamer Magazine, he came up to us and he said, "Hey, I, I'm I'm going to set you up with a couple of interviews." We're like, "Um, okay." And okay. Uh, this is the first. This is uh, the first one he told us about. And uh, it's a. Some of you may recognize the name. In fact, many of you may recognize the name. His name is Tim Kitzrow. And he's based out of uh, right here in Chicago. And his claim to fame is he is known as Mr. Boom Shakalaka. He's the play-by-play guy from NBA Jam and uh, MLB Slugfest and several other sports games. And uh, so we had a chance to talk with him for a little bit. So um, here's uh, what we had to say with uh, with Tim. First of all, we have to say um, we have friends at... Um, at um, high, high places. Well, High friends well, knowing knowing uh, knowing our Tim friend and Andy Tim with the Super Podcast Brothers, Tim and Andy with the Super Podcast Brothers out of Minneapolis love playing oh. the outtakes from NBA Jam. Really, uh, um, they play it on their <laughs> their show all the time. Um, you mean the X-rated? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> which I had to, I denied for a long time. <laughs> I was working with EA at the time and just thought it wasn't good for business. Yeah. But you know, I had a few skeletons in my closet. We used to let the 
you know, when we were in the studio, you're in there for hours and you're you're having fun and sweating. Oh. You don't expect that stuff to get out uh, behind the closed doors, but we, we, we always make some fun tapes just to have uh, for people to entertain themselves and send to their bosses then the other department. And so I'm sure there's there's worse stuff out there. Play right. us out. What does that mean? Exactly. Uh, oh, by the way, I don't think I don't know if we mentioned this, but we were talking to Tim Kit, uh, Kurtzrow, who's the voice of NBA Jam. Tim Kitzrow with you. Oh, Kitzrow. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, uh, or in, it, we're going to get to in Mutant Football League, Grim Blitzrow, my AKA. Oh, tell okay. us about that. Oh, actually, can I ask something different first? Um, given no, your given your uh, your delivery and your performance, are you do you have a background in radio or stand up comedy or what's what's your background? Background is uh, oddly enough, conservative acting school, Purchase, New York. So it was all about Shakespeare and Chekhov, the classics. So definitely, an I actor. actually played Romeo when I was a younger man. And, and I saw uh, you were in Prince Second Hell. City. Too. Second City came to Chicago uh, for the point of I wanted to be in SCTV, not Saturday Night Live. SCTV was where it was at for me. I love really? those guys. And interestingly enough, Scorsese's doing an interview uh, yes, show on Netflix. Yes. Um, and, and for some really? reason, I didn't see Rick Moranis on it. Anyway, we, we uh, sidetracked here a little bit. But yeah, I uh, came to Chicago to, to do the comedy thing. And uh, and I, oddly enough, was not a video gamer because when I graduated, you know, 77 to 81, wasn't a lot happening in the in the video game world, and I was all about acting. So I kind of missed that whole step of like getting involved, getting my hands on video games. So I thought this was just an extra money job. I was playing music, uh, playing drums in a little weekend warrior band. Some of the guys in the band were responsible for putting all those great uh, uh, things into all the pinball games, all the sounds, all the music. And they said we need a Mr. Howell for Gilligan's Island. And I went, <laughs> Oh, Gilligan, maybe we could bribe Kona. And I, I just heard that for the first time the other day in 25 years because they have Gilligan's Island over there. So that started oh, the whole career. Okay. When were you at six, Second City? Because I'm almost wondering. Um, 87 to 88, 90. So you were with like Steve Carell and Tina Fey. It was, it you, was do, uh, ridiculous. That was uh, Steve Carell and I would often audition together for things outside of you know there. And there was it was Tim Meadows, it was Chris Farley, it was uh, oh my uh, god, quite a good, it was uh, yeah, good it was uh, yeah Tina Fey. You know, they were, that was, you know, people talk about the early, early days and then the early, you know, Saturday Night Live. I thought that was one of the best eras. I mean, certainly oh, the best era most stars came out. But anyway, so yeah, and I've done a little bit of stand-up. Uh, worked at the Annoyance Theater, uh, ah. co-wrote a show with a friend of mine with Mick Napier, uh, director, Paul Turner, uh, wrote the show. But, uh, you know, that, if I, if I, you know, had my druthers, I'd probably be doing a lot more stand-up and, and improv, but this became a full-time, more He'd rather do stand-up. I would rather be... And actually, but you know what the fun is, uh, I'm becoming more of an MC because that's really the, the job of my, you know, my my role in NBA Jam and these arcade games is to be a carnival marker, to attract attention, to bring people in, and when it's in attract mode and you hear that voice, so I've been working NBA events uh, for the Clippers, the Warriors, the Wizards, the Bulls, uh, where I actually introduced the team. A 6'11 center. He didn't go to college, but he got his degree from dunking on you, Dwight Howard. There you go. <laughs> uh, I gotta ask before I forget. Tell us everything about working with Jim Shorts. It was the best experience of my life. Kevin Matthews is a genius. He's like, Jonathan Winters was my favorite growing up. I mean, Ke yeah. Kevin Matthews inhabits that character. When I moved to Chicago, I thought it was two guys in the booth. Yeah. <laughs> one guy being a, another comedian, but the way he could, uh, you know, uh, we're going to go, you know what, right, uh, you know what, Kevin? And he would work the mic so well. So when I met him, it, it was just freaking me out. I'm looking at him like, that's the guy. 
and it was a dream come true. And I, I was fortunate enough at that point, I'd written, uh, been the head writer on Blitz, and yeah. uh, so they said go with it, and I became the sole writer for MLB Slugfest. And, we, and one of the guys had a great idea. Said, beginning of the game, we waste 60 seconds while it says loading. Let's do some. <laughs> improv in the load screens and it was so it was like curb your enthusiasm we would have like a word or a title or a thought like let's say you've got a solar car okay hey Timmy I bought the solar car yesterday oh uh, it's good good for the environment Jimmy yeah but I'm worried what are you worried about well if it rains it gets cloudy it could stop I could get in a car accident what do you mean it runs on a battery no it runs on the sun it's solar powered so we were all over the place. We had so much fun. It almost reminds me of the old You Don't Know Jack uh, computer games. When the, yeah. the credits at the end of they were running the Chucky the Chipmunk uh, cereal commercials <laughs> and uh, other bizarre like commercials and stuff over it. That was just, yeah. I love stuff like that. Just putting a little bit extra in there just so people pay attention and just yeah. don't get bored. And if people want, they can uh, go to YouTube and uh, Tim and Jim MLB Slugfest funny comments. I think any combination of those words someone put up about 15 herbs you know 20 of those and it's fun stuff it's still out there and people are big fans of it so yeah so you said that you wouldn't uh you got in the business you weren't really into gaming have you ever actually gotten into gaming you nope. still yep nope that reminds of dr yeah. philibon from mortal kombat <laughs> i once when i first met him uh he was a uh, shang sung in the games when i first met him like oh oh it's really great to meet you i, I really don't like mortal kombat but it's really great to me it's like don't worry about it. I, I, ner- I don't play video games. nervous around the fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't play video games, so, you know, don't worry about it's it. Like, I don't even like <laughs> games. It, it, I don't care kind, what you think It is kind it. of a weird thing, though. It's like, in a, in a, in a weird way, it's like, uh, I guess it'd be in the music business, you know, with it, hanging out with all these people or just playing music and, like, I don't play the guitar. I just look at it. <laughs> oh, God, like that Weird Al video. Um, um where he's, he's about to play the guitar, but then he turns it around yeah. to the side. But, but everybody here is like, they're playing games, and when I was a kid, I would go to the arcades and a lot of the, the rifle games I loved. I mean, like the old penny arcade. Really. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. air gun, whatever. Sure. But once it, you know, in pinball, I just sucked at it. You, know, you can only watch so many balls go down the gutter between the flippers. You know, just walk away. <laughs> just walk away. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself anymore. Rush so. Street Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, having said that, you, you as a non-gamer, you're here at a gaming convention. Yes, um, this is an. I like to ask this of everybody. What is the coolest thing you outside of the literal translation of cool, the snow? What is the figurative coolest <laughs> thing you've awesome. seen at this convention? The coolest thing I've seen is a uh, is a room full of people at two thirty in the morning playing <laughs> a game called <laughs> Werewolf. <laughs> Guys, games and beer, and and and, and, and I'm props to yeah, drunken Larry. I'm, I'm drinking a beer and, and taking a few shots off of someone's uh, bourbon bottle, and I look over there, 20 or 30 people at 2:45 in the morning, and grown adults, mind you, going like this, and closing their eyes, and people play. It was I was I was in kindergarten class. You know, it was like the teacher, like they're playing this little imaginary game, and okay, now you you're gonna go after the werewolf. And, oh, Sean, and, Sean and I were so actually there. It was so much fun. We were we were actually there, but we cut out early because we were just freaking dead tired. And it was so nice to see that, like, in the, I was saying to someone, you know, especially with handheld games and and in some of the world, you know, people are just like going inward, inward, inward. When you know these arcade games came about, you were all together at the arcades. Like certainly NBA Jam was the experience of being with your friends and buddies. So it's nice to see not only the arcade kind of stuff come back in general across the country and the Galloping Ghost and the Emporium and all these other great arcades where 
that, that this generation that's playing on their phones and been playing in their bedrooms on headsets, they're getting out and meeting people and touching machines again, but then they're playing games like Werewolf. It's the, it's the spirit of the gaming community that's really blowing my mind. And, and that's and that's it. I've said this before about many different things. I have an avid bicyclist. I mean, it, you got a bunch of people in a, in a with a common common love or whatever, and, yeah. and it's as I said about bicycling. What other place will you see a bunch of people, regardless of race, gender, yeah. ethnicity, whatever, get together in a common love for a sport that involves wearing stupid-looking shorts? Right. And, and then, <laughs> well, you know what? Bicycling in here. Exactly. This is, this, is, this is the Beetle Fest of gaming, too. Yes. I go to the Beetle Fest in Chicago. Yeah, they, me they too. They take over the Hyatt. You've you probably know, been and, to a Beetle yeah, Fest. Yeah, and anybody that you, you walk, you you have something in common with everybody. Oh, and, you, then, and then you look at the paper, and, and you, you go back to your hotel room, and you see the CNN stuff, and the Fox News, and you're like, why is all this stuff happening in the world? Let let the gamers take yeah, over. It'll be a better uh, place. Yeah. You know? Of course, though, we might actually... Um, more efficiently deliver the missiles, though. That's the backdrop. <laughs> there, the we go. there we go. Good line. Oh, so let's talk a little bit about mutant football. Yes, yes, here. please. So we'll go so back and, and look on YouTube of the Mutant League football Saturday morning cartoon. Okay. And it's classic Saturday morning cartoon stuff. They had trading cards. Anyway, so the, the creator, Michael Mendheim, uh, had the title with, with EA for years. EA obviously got obsessed with their Madden and making reality and sim games. Which to me, like, you know what, I know there's a market for it and it's cool because there's technology for it, but the idea of a game is to be a game to me, you know, and that's why the arcade game and Mario and Sonic and these classic games, there's something different because you're escaping reality. I don't yes. want to sit there for two and a half hours in this virtual, real football world with fake yeah. commercials of real commercials being slipped in on you and timeouts and talking and broadcasters that try to emulate the here and now present that's a that's a mind blower that they're you know this guy blah, blah, it's all just generic stuff it's hard to do so i'm obviously not a big sim guy so michael menheim comes to me he goes we're doing mutant football league i didn't know about the original mutant league football but when he explained it to me i looked at it I went holy moly this is like nfl blitz meets like texas chainsaw massacre looney tunes <laughs> and quentin tarantino all rolled into one it's got this post-apocalyptic world where where you compete and compete in the Coliseum with these major corporations with their teams, their mutant teams made up of skeletons and zombies and orcs. And you can have these dirty tricks like, you know, have a chainsaw or a shotgun or a it's bomb. It's like a, a, a futuristic pig, version of Brian Collins. Yeah, pigskin. Pig skin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's just got this great fun and charm to it with this over-the-top cartoon violence, which you're just going to love. The gore is yeah. incredible. As a fan of Duke Nukem 3D over here, I should appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but the, the we parody all the names in the NFL. There's the, yeah. the, the nuked London Hatriots, oh, the yeah. Philadelphia <laughs> Evils, there's Bomb Shady, uh, actually a guy who's trying to get back in the league is my alter ego on Twitter. It's Johnny Mansmell, the former overhyped man trophy winner. Uh, so we have a lot of fun with these characters on Twitter talking to one another. I'm not much of, of a football guy, so I, some of those jokes just like... Well, the, I like the, the Cubs, and, that's about all my sports. The, but the funny thing is <laughs> that uh, we, I, we found that... Uh, Half the players that have been showing up these shows are, you know, kids and people that are normally claim and older dudes who go, I'm not a football fan, not a sports player, but there's something about this, that crazy cartoon look and the fun and the instant satisfaction of blowing up your opponent and, and, and seeing the thrills of like falling into a toxic pit of, you know, lava. I mean, that is true. I mean, it works on two levels, all like the old cartoon animaniacs. It was like a kid show, but then there were adult jokes yeah. that went over like it's exactly fingerprints. Like that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> 
and, and for me, writing and doing the voice for this, it was the same thing. It's like, it's Futurama, it's Family Guy, it's you know, it's Mad Magazine, which is my my source of inspiration growing up. Oh, comedy. I loved Mad Magazine. And so it's the same thing. We, you know, when they would parody names in the evil evil SN instead of ESPN, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it, it was just for me to write in in, in that you know genre. And it's crazy, and, there, and we it's a little bit more uh, uh, M-rated. There's some some sure. F-bombs dropped in there, which are hopefully funny. <laughs> uh, but we're, you have a, you have a button to turn it off if you got mm -hmm. the kids playing it. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a great game, I and I, I just encourage people right now to uh, PS4, Xbox, and and on uh, Steam. Street, yeah, Steam. And uh, there will be hard copies available at the end of the summer, probably. Awesome. Uh, lots of updates and new things come, new players, teams. Uh, check it out at uh, mutantfootballleague.com. Uh, download it, of course, on the on the consoles, and uh, follow us on Twitter at, at Mutant Football League. Put a link in the show notes. Yeah, of course, he gave us a business card. And, and yeah, and guys, the, any uh, any fans of mine for over the the, the, the decades, uh, MrBoomShakalaka.com. There the you go. Easiest way to remember <laughs> it. And I've got a new uh, a new website called Who Said What Now. That's Who Said What Now.com. I will give you a personalized voicemail. Ooh. Or you can create your own, type it in. I will say anything you want me to say. I'm like a monkey, a parrot, and uh, send that back to you. So who said what now dot com? You've reached Tim Kittrow. To send him a message, press pound and dunk in his face right now. To bury a three in his face, press two. To hit a two in the lane, press three. For all the dunk options, press or say boom shakalaka. Okay, now that, that is true improv right there. Yep. Really? Uh, do we have anything anything else we need to talk to Tim about? Uh, um, well, it's NBA Jam 25th anniversary, which is really oh, yeah. cool. Uh, last week, ESPN did a hashtag NBA Jam Day. Uh, I did highlights that ended up on SportsCenter. Stan and Neil uh, came back saying, I'm going to steal this guy's lines. <laughs> I love it when you call me Big Blocker. That was their favorite. But it was, it was great to finally like go from the arcade, which you know we had our handful of lines that were basically based on your you know Marv Albert telecast because yes. that's basically what how all of us got the NBA back then. Uh, but in the recent years, uh, my update with EA, I started to really create these more unique lines in my own style. Like uh, uh, instead of just nothing but net, it's like like rummaging through your girlfriend's top dresser for floor. <laughs> That's not a time for the girl. <laughs> like rummaging through his girlfriend's top dress and door, he finds nothing but nylon. Like your mama wearing latex pants, that dunk was tight. Kaboom! <laughs> so we have a lot more fun, too, in the uh, in the NBA one. You know, we've got uh, uh, a great LeBron dunk. It's like, and he does a little old school rap on the rim, run DMC style. That's run, dunk, muy caliente. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was, awesome. to finally make it onto SportsCenter, see those guys laughing, uh, to do the... the the uh, promos all week, you know, hearing my voice. It was kind of a freak out for me to go, wow, it's lasted 25 years and has actually surpassed the popularity in pop culture because now there's perspective and history and everybody who grew up with it are now like in their 30s and running ESPN and NBA teams. And so they come to me and go, that's cool, dude. You're the voice of my childhood. And I'm like, wow, I must be really old. But at least I'm getting some work now. So I would say, if go. someone told me that, I'd say, that's really pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah so, you see what a high budget operation we run here. Okay, now one thing we ask of all of our guests here, um, what is your credit card number and PIN? Yeah, I got that. You know what? I, this is, I was uh, at oh, no. the, the game development conference in San Francisco, and Mark Tamella, ah. we were doing a postmortem of NBA Jam with Sal DeVita also. And up in a room of 500 people on their, uh, their PowerPoint is my original check for NBA Jam for the amount of, guess 
how much I get paid for NBA Jam. It made a billion and quarters the first year, two billion to date. What do you a think thousand, I was paid? A thousand dollars. I wish. It was more a like dollar. probably three hundred and forty-two dollars. Six hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Wow. So that he, does that, not surprise but me. But it was at fifty an hour, and that beat the job at the Burger King. So uh, oh, there you go. But but on the uh, PowerPoint presentation, he had a picture of the check, and it had my social security. No. Oh. Oh, and someone is like, while we're there texting, you know, like, Tim, is that your social security number? Oh, no. And then they go to throw it up on a link on the website. Oh, and no. like, we had to call them right with it. And then that they blurred it out. Oh, my god! You goodness. know, I think, I wonder if uh, LifeLock is looking for a uh, sponsor. Looking for oh, uh, oh, there, there you, you go. go. Uh, yeah. And now at least it's been documented. So if I if I do have a theft, you know, identity theft, we know what happened. And uh, if, if you don't mind asking uh, us asking this, what advice do you have for someone who wants to get into voiceover work? It, you know what the funny thing is, it is such a great question. Everybody asks it to me, and I am at an agency in Chicago, NV Talent, and I go in like everybody, you know, every other day or whatever uh, to do auditions, or they send them to me and I do them from home now in my, my studio. Sure. I've, I've, I've booked a few big ones, you know, National Spots, Bud Light, you know, Miller, this or that. But it's not all the time, and there are Cartoon Network things that come my way, and other TV ads, radio ads. I'm always looking, and I'm coming in like, going, "Hey, can you give me some advice? How do I? Well, how do I? You know?" So I got lucky enough to have the background to get into an agency because that's one of the tough sure. things. Uh, you know, they, they don't often take unsolicited <laughs> tapes, voiceover tapes. So that's, I mean, that's tough. So you first have to, you know, have a love to do, want to do it. There are a lot of people in most cities, and you can go online, that will produce voiceover tapes for you, CDs and obviously, you know, MP3s now. But the idea is you need, you need to put together your reel somehow. You have to know what right. direction you want to go in. Are you a guy who has, you know, a lot of funny voices? You want to do, are you the straight read guy? You know, what, so you have to identify what you think your, your best suit is. And then just like every other person, try to, to find those agencies. So I mean, it's, it's, that's the only real advice because I'm still looking for the answers myself. <laughs> Sounds you good. You mentioned uh, Cartoon Network. Have you done anything, have done stuff for them recently? Lots, or? lots of auditions, but I, I have not not hit the pay dirt yet on oh, that. Oh, gotcha. That's kind of weird. Senator says underdog must die. <laughs> Meet Polly Purebred. All right, come on. Why are you people yeah, not hiring this guy? So that's as a kid, you know, it was all, all about the cartoons. That's that's where it started out, you know, doing you know voices and just getting into that kind of stuff. So yeah, and then then when it came to pinball games, there I was doing Mr. Howell. Do I did Popeye, which I could probably barely squeak out. Yeah. One now like, <laughs> oh, it's the sea hag. Well, blow me down. And then I did. You're traveling through another dimension, a dimension only oh, of sight, a dimension of sound, okay, a dimension of mind. This is the story of one simple voiceover actor, Tim Kitzrow, a.k.a. Mr. Boomshaklock. No moral, no lesson, just simple injustice. $600 for a billion-dollar video game. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. I really loved that interview. He uh, he really impressed me. Real fun guy, I have Oh, yeah, to say. yeah. Yeah, we saw him being interviewed by uh, Guys, Games, and Beer two of the previous night. By the way, uh, not everybody is going to get this, but when you heard me say, tell me all about working with Jim Shorts, uh, <laughs> those of you who don't know it, but in MLB Slugfest, Tim Kitzrow is doing play-by-play with color commentary by an announcer named Jim Shorts. And I honestly had no clue about this until I watched some YouTube videos of uh, MLB Slugfest and I nearly passed out. I thought, okay, this has got to be fake. But no, it's not. It was real. Jim Shorts is the alter ego of Kevin Matthews, who you may have heard us mention 
in our Chicago uh, bonus radio, episode. former Chicago radio personality. I think he's in Grand yeah. Rapids now. He's a, yeah, he is in Grand Rapids. I think he's at the station where he first started in radio, actually. He's like management there or something. But I was a major, major Kevin Matthews fan uh, when he was on WLUPAM in Chicago in the 80s and, uh, and 90s, actually. And uh, Jim Schwartz was his, uh, his co-host, if you will, who was the sports guy on his show. And Jim Schwartz is voiced by Kevin Matthews. So that's what uh, Tim and I were kind of getting at there. I was just in awe when I found out about this. I was like, oh, dude, you got to tell me about that. <laughs> And oh, the other thing is, Tim had you heard Tim mention Werewolf, and I am not familiar with Werewolf, but apparently every year, Guys Games and Beer plays plays Werewolf on Saturday night at their after party, and we always get invited to their after party. And uh, yeah, something that we got to talk about here is Guys Games and Beer. They always have just an absolutely amazing setup. Oh, and hell this yeah. year was absolutely no exception. They had 1500 square they, feet. They outdid themselves this year. Yeah. They had a little like stage area set up for interviews with a, a, a nice curtain and everything with their logo, vintage computers out there. Well, not just vintage, but just about any computer and console playing video games. You could go in there, play some games like uh, they, they had, had a TV running Starcade. They, yeah, they had, they had that. They had uh, an Atari 7800 with a light gun, so you could play a Barnyard Blaster and Crossbow with a light gun. Uh, and, and, of course, I mentioned this in the previous episode, but their pride this year was a Omega Race arcade cabinet that was converted into an arcade-sized Vectrex. They hacked a Vectrex, stuck arcade-style controllers on it, hooked it up to a 19-inch monitor, a vector monitor, and had these large custom overlays they could actually select with a push of a button. And it was just amazing. They made it so that the Omega Race cabinet could be made back into an Omega Race so they didn't do any damage to it. And I was talking to Tom about that, uh, asking him all about that. And first of all, he said, well, here, let's play a game. And we played Ripoff, and he... Oh my God, Tom at Guys Games of Beer, he is all about ripoff on the Vectrex. He was so intense about that. We played a two-player cooperative game. He was so getting into it. Oh my God. But he was talking about that. There was another Vectrex cabinet right next to it, which was a actual full-color Vectrex. No overlays, but it was in color, and it was playing Mindstorm. And Tom was telling me about that. He said that he was so jealous of the guy who put that together because it took him 24 hours to make that full-color Vectrex. Really? That's yes. all? Yeah. He said, this thing over here, this the full-size Vectrex with the scrolling uh, overlays and all that, he's like, it took me two months to do this, but this guy only took 24 hours to do the color Vectrex. <laughs> he's like, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to... yeah, every, oh, every and, year, and might I add, just to, to, to what you're saying there... Um, the guys at Guys Games and Beer are not dummies. Uh, Drunken no. Larry, great guy, fun guy. He's a programmer. Yeah, they're, you know, they're, so they're, they're all smart techies. guys. Yeah, they're I think they're, smart they're, guys. they're all in like software development and IT right. and stuff, as far as I know. They're smart, and they're also just very, very nice guys. Oh, heck yeah. They're so welcoming. They're so, they're so hospitable. They're the nicest guys you'll meet. We couldn't stay around long for the after party because they, well, we usually what happens is the after party, they want to talk to various people there and like, like they'll talk to us for a few minutes and say, Hey, what's the coolest thing you've seen at the show so far? 
and uh, they get they just talk to various people like that. But uh, when their after party started, they they had to interview Tim Kitzrow and Michael Menheim, who is uh, the lead developer from the um, NBA Jam franchise and uh, and Mutant League. And so they had that interview going. And the thing is, Jim and I, we were both just dead exhausted. I was ready to collapse. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? I'm just going to uh, send my regrets and just uh, as gentlemanly as I can, just say my goodbyes. And, you know, Tom was like, oh, man, I wish you guys could stay around. He said, hey, come back and talk to us tomorrow. And so I did. And I wanted to find out more about this werewolf game that they play seemingly every year at their after party. And so um, here's what Tom had to say about that. I don't know. I might be totally ignorant to this, but it seems like it's tradition for you guys on Saturday night to shut everything down and play Werewolf. What's that all about? Tell us about Werewolf. Okay, so I, um, when we first started doing the Midwest Gaming Classic, we were doing board game nights afterwards. Yeah. Um, the first year or two. And we found that every single really like playing a game called Werewolf. You're either a villager or a werewolf. If you've played Mafia, you've played Werewolf. It's mm -hmm. just with villagers and werewolves. Sure. So, great game. It's all about acting, bluffing, and lying, and cheating, and getting things across. So, it's perfect game when you're a little bit tipsy and <laughs> Yeah. No, it is. It, it, this is a game that goes really well with drinking, so needless <laughs> to say, it fits really well with our group. Um, but we, we close our door, we get all our friends together, and we all get into the room, and we get to go around a werewolf going. Um, last night, we had our maximum, we had 40 people playing at once. You get 40 people in a circle screaming at each other, hang him, hang him, hang him, hang the werewolf. It's amazing to watch that. So, uh, yeah, so yeah. It, it is our tradition now. Uh, again, we, yeah. uh, we all get together, we drink on Saturday night. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah. yeah. So this was our, again, six years old. So four years doing werewolf at least. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So. One of these years, I'm going to stay awake yeah. and just and see what it's all about. I'm, I'm I got it. Man. It was a little tough for me to stay awake. <laughs> I, I, I was dead. We yeah. Didn't, we didn't get started on that till 9.30 because we ran a little bit late getting some other stuff closed up and done. So right. we didn't start werewolf till 9.30. That being said, we did go till 2.30 in the morning, and then I was up at 5 again to get my butt back in here and get back to work. So, yeah. yeah it's been a, uh, a trap. All right, so uh, for the three people who listen to Pie Factory podcast, uh, well, <laughs> your three plus my three, we're gonna, have, yeah. we're gonna have a whole six listeners. I'm telling show, you, okay? Yeah, it's a whole six pack. Look at that. Yeah, uh, I'm good with that. Like, assuming that none of our listeners have ever heard of Guys Games and Beer, what's the one thing they should know about it besides beer, of course? We love the indie community. If you want to find out about indie gaming, oh yeah, we love covering indie gaming. That is our big thing. We are multi generational. We cover lots of topics, but when it comes right down to it, when we get a chance about a good in, to talk about a good indie game, we are in our our, our element. Mm -hmm. So that that is a big thing. Also, right. we give away free sh all the time on yeah. Facebook and Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook for free. Sh there you go. Hopefully your podcast is as, is as blue as ours. We have a good bleeper. Okay, so you that's have a good okay. bleeper. You made yeah. a good bleep that last yeah. time. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, what, is, what is your Twitter address? Okay. So you can find us on Twitter at Guys Games Beer. Twitter is cheap. They won't give the word at. And on Facebook, it's uh, www.facebook.com slash Guys Games and Beer. And you can also find us on the web at www.guysgamesandbeer.net. And of course, we will link it in our show notes. Right. And so. we're on all this. Uh, all, we're on. Uh, um, I, I, I'm sorry. We're on iTunes. We are on um, TuneIn Radio. Uh, we're on Friendster. Stitcher. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, if you still have your Napster, just look around, you'll find us, okay? Even after that, I still didn't quite know what was going on with Werewolf. Uh, you know, as you heard him say, it's like Mafia, but I don't know what Mafia is like. I did it, I did some research. Have you ever played Werewolf, uh, Jimmy G? Uh, I've heard of it. I've never played it. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun because it's uh, you have a deck of cards and there's basically an MC who will instruct, okay, uh, everybody close your eyes. We're going to hand out a card to everybody. He'll have people just you know, look at their cards and uh, say, okay, everybody close your eyes. All the werewolves, I want you to open your eyes. And there are like, I think, two people who are designated as werewolves, and they have to agree to kill somebody. They have to pick somebody who's not a werewolf that they're going to kill. And it just, it builds up like that. And there's uh, someone who's designated to be a doctor, I think, who's supposed to resurrect the person who's killed. And it really sounds fascinating. So I, one of these days, I'm going to stick around for that. <laughs> By the way, this and other interviews we conducted in Midwest Gaming Classic were edited for time and uh, topic content. If you want to hear the full-length versions, go to our show notes page at piefactorypodcast.com. You will see links to the full-length interviews in this episode's show notes. When you're at one of these conventions and you're just manning a table and even really not let's be honest, doing a whole heck of a lot like uh, like we, like we us, it's still really tiring for some reason. It's it really a, is. Yeah. But uh, again, enjoyed every minute of it. Well, it might have been that as close, when, you, when you're packing and stuff, getting ready for these conventions, and you're expected to be an exhibitor or vendor, such as what we were, even though we weren't selling anything, we were still in the vendor hall, uh, there's all kinds of stuff you got to remember. You got to go through checklists, you got to pack, you got to do all that. And I think it just catches up to you. Yeah, yeah. And I was uh, just realizing uh, the other day that I don't think I've still totally unpacked from last year's. Uh, yeah. th- there's a, a few things, not a whole lot. Like, well, yeah, I, me like, too. Some of the stuff I just, I was like, oh, it's in that box. I'll just keep adding to this box. So. Yeah, no kidding. But we got some ideas on ways to improve next year too, but uh, yeah. but uh, not going to go into any of that. But uh, I believe we had uh, one more uh, interview. We, we actually talked to a couple of other people that uh, we are familiar with. Yeah. You want to you wanna set this one up? Yeah, I'll set this one up. First of all, there's a white elephant that we need to address because we got to address it. Uh, by the way, it was also we also uh, got to talk to uh, Hugh from the Retro League. Uh, he was oh, there with yes. his little yeah, girl. Actually, I caught up with him a little bit later, yeah. too. So, yeah, it was, so I was able to talk nice to him. Nice to finally so. get to meet him. Yes, um, no, we enjoy the show, Hugh. Thank you very much for... Yeah, and uh, so anyway, the the white elephant we have to address, of course, we talked about the Todd Rogers situation, now we got to talk about the Billy Mitchell situation, you know. Long story short, this is is the Spark Notes edition of it. Uh, I might be getting some details wrong or oversimplified, but here's how I understand it. His scores were taken off Twin Galaxies, he was banned for Twin Galaxies and from Twin Galaxies-related competitions, as was Todd Rogers. The reason being is that some of the videos that he submitted for Donkey Kong, it was concluded that they were videos from MAME. We talked in a previous episode about this because there was already that suspicion raised. Basically, because they looked at how the screens were rendering, they slowed down the videotape and they determined, wait a minute, the arcade machine doesn't render like this. MAME renders like this. This must be a MAME tape. So his scores were in dispute and and the disputers won. So... All Billy Mitchell's records were struck down. It was 
determined that he never legitimately scored a million points in Donkey Kong. No one ever saw him do it. The only evidence there was were the questionable videotapes. Is he guilty? I really don't know. I'm in no condition to say yes or no. And this happened just a couple of days before Midwest Gaming Classic. And much to my shock, just when we, when we were there on Friday actually setting up, I had heard that he was going to be there. Yes. And I was like, what? He's, are you sure he's going to be? He would, he would, be, he would actually want to show his face at a major gaming expo after all this crap went down. But um, having said that, folks, I don't know about Jim, but personally, I really have no stake in whether or not Billy Mitchell was guilty or not. Uh, I think the video evidence is kind of damning, but again, I'm, I'm not an expert. I don't know. I don't know. For me, Twin Galaxies or any other scoreboard is simply a scoreboard, and I, yeah, I submit scores to Twin Galaxies and Orcade.com and Highscore.com, but I do it in the spirit of fun and friendly competition. That's what I think it should be. A friend of ours recently said, you know, regarding this whole Billy Mitchell thing, does it really matter? Video games are supposed to be fun. And I, and I really agree with that. They're supposed to be fun. It's not meant to, it's not there to judge people on their character. Now, having said that, this next interview and final interview we're going to play Uh, Again, Ryan from Old School Gamer Magazine had told us, hey, I got you another interview that uh, that I want you to do. I'm going to send Walter Day and Billy Mitchell over to your table. And we're like, oh, uh, okay. And I'm going to confess, I did not feel the least bit awkward about that. I really didn't. I felt more awkward about Tim Kitzrow because uh, I I know this is terrible. I didn't know much about the guy other other than uh, hearing Super Podcast Brothers talk about him. (laughs) <laughs> and I felt really bad because he he was so much fun, but I didn't feel the least bit awkward about uh, having uh, Billy Mitchell on uh, on our on our thing because you know what? Regardless, if he is a big freaking cheat, the fact is he can still outgame probably anybody listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. He's got he's definitely got the chops for it. He definitely does. Yeah, That's been it's proven. it's different from the Todd Rogers situation where because it's blatantly obvious that Todd Rogers, uh, when you look back through his scores, blatantly cheated on games or at the very least submitted scores that were impossible to attain. But uh, the uh, the Billy Mitchell thing's a little bit different because he actually really is an astounding gamer and he has put up a lot of uh, awesome scores live in front of groups. I'll, I'll just leave it at that for uh, yeah. f- for for the point yeah, being. Seriously, but, uh, like we. When we sat down with Billy and and Walter, the furthest thing from our minds was the whole controversy and all that. We really don't freaking care at this point. Uh, that that's all there is to it. You know, we just Billy and Walter are both longtime video game personalities, as it as it were. And if you disagree with me, and anybody disagrees with me. I respect that. If you have a legitimate reason to disagree, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Jimmy G and I have talked to, to uh, Billy Mitchell on two separate occasions and both times I walked away thinking this guy is not the villain that a lot of people make him out to be. Yeah. He's a more complex individual than people give him credit for being. Yeah. And uh, th- I did notice a, a different Billy Mitchell this time from when we first met him. When we first met him in uh, August of 2016, he was very friendly, very friendly, uh, but he did seem to like to draw attention to himself. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. He's like, hey, people want to see Billy Mitchell. Here's Billy Mitchell. 
mm-hmm. and I'm going to be Billy Mitchell. And he was freaking hilarious. He really was. He was very entertaining. When we talked to him this time, we talked to, to uh, him and Walter together. Billy seemed very reserved and actually borderline humble, actually, now that I think about it. I will uh, say this. Um, right before the interview, I had just I had just gotten really hungry, and I didn't really feel like running to, running out to go grab a sandwich or something, so I just went to grab some popcorn at the snack bar real, you know, real close to where we're at. Uh, where we're broadcasting, and when I got back, Billy and uh, Billy, oh, Billy, Bill, whoever, and uh, Walter were there. And so during the interview, you might hear me munching on some popcorns because I was really hungry and I needed something to eat. Uh, but during the interview, <laughs> Walter and Billy just helped themselves to my popcorn. <laughs> uh, come to find out later, uh, Billy told me that, oh, I thought uh, Ryan brought the popcorn for us because whenever we do interviews or something, he's always bringing us popcorn. I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't care. You, you just munch on my popcorn. But it was- you were you actually stepped away for a moment after you got your popcorn and Billy had sat down before you got back and he just grabbed this big old handful of popcorn. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. I went to fill up my water bottle. That's what that, it was. That, yeah. was. that was it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't but, know that. <laughs> but yeah. And here's the thing. We, we did not mention a single thing about any of the controversial stuff. We felt it not appropriate at the time because they, uh, Billy was going to be making a statement later that day about the situation. And yeah. so we figured we just let that speak for itself. Yeah. But, um, Regardless of what you think of Billy and and or Walter, just listen to this because I I don't know I I got really excited after when when we were talking to these guys and uh, oh and um there's some actually really big news for Pie Factory in this interview yeah, that yeah uh, that's kind of so, why I got excited so uh, yeah hey, so uh, why, why don't listen. we shut up and just you know, let the uh, yes. But uh, anyway, uh, Jimmy G and I are here with uh, Walter Day, and if you've never heard of Walter Day, he's the lead guitarist of Walter Day and the Knights. And uh, we also have uh, someone that a few people may have heard of, uh, Bill uh, Billy Mitchell, I believe. Is that right? Yes. The first thing I have to ask, uh, Walter, what's the coolest thing you've seen at Midwest Gaming Classic so far? Billy Mitchell. <laughs> well, other than Billy Mitchell, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a surprisingly big event because you know some events some events go through sort of like a growth pattern and then they level out and they are so big like the you know the, I think the Chicago Pinball Expo you know gets about fifteen hundred people year after year after year after year and uh, right. and I think the Houston Arcade Expo gets thousand to fifteen hundred people year after year after year but this one grows exponentially it seems not literally exponentially but I think there could be. Did I hear the number 12,000 people could be here? I haven't heard a thing about numbers but myself. It's very, but it's a very, very big crowd. Yeah, and it's definitely I came big. here in 2000. I came here, I think this is my sixth time here. Oh, really? I think I see around 2002, 2003, 2004, then 7, <laughs> then 12, and now for the yeah, first time in six years I'm here. And the crowd size has grown tremendously each year, so that to me is very impressive. Another very impressive thing is the fact that it's a pretty pretty uncomfortable day for snowstorm and oh yeah and a lot of people here for that that, that degree of bad weather so the weather hasn't stopped people from coming to this event because this event is so appealing and charming and uh, fulfilling and uh, attractive that people are coming despite the weather conditions how about you bill what's the coolest thing you've seen at this uh it's not walter day but the truth is i haven't been here since 2004 in 2004 the show you could have almost fit it inside inside his booth oh yeah and it was a great show then, even though it was a smaller show. And so when I continued to hear the name and hear the growth, it just wasn't something that registered in my head. And then when I walked in here, I mean, it's as big as most any show we do. 
and it's been absolutely incredible. And there are people from 2004, a couple of them that came up that I exactly remember. I exactly remember their name and how they were related to the show. And so, yeah, that was awesome. That was the coolest thing. Something else I wanted to ask uh, the both of you about. Uh, I, I believe you're both what, on the board of advisors for uh, Old School Gamer Magazine. I think that's uh, how we're described. Uh, we're a bunch of people who are just helping contribute ideas and inspiration to it. In sure. fact, one of the ideas that we consider very inspirational that we wanted to talk about right now is that we're going to do, we, we do trading cards for each there are editorial boards. So we do trading cards. We do trading. Well, you folks know that we've been doing trading cards for a long time. Yes. I'm up to about 1,800 different <laughs> trading cards that are actually in print, published in around the world. And the trading cards are not just about the people who are the champions on this game or that game. It's actually, the trading cards collectively are actually a historical document that commemorates the, the wide expanse of history of the video game and pinball age from the very earliest moments up until now. And those cards honor and commemorate the contributions that come from individuals, from events, from champions, from high scores, from a... I have to, I have to say, I did see that recently you uh, did a trading card for, I believe, was it Sean Holly or Victor Marlin? Or was it both? Or was it both of them from oh, yeah. uh, Ten Pence Arcade? Oh, that's right. Uh, and, and <clears> I, have to, I have to say, uh, you guys are lying gits. Lying gets. Oh, lying gets, that's right. There's a difference between get. a get and a get. Yes, so. and um, learn what a biscuit is. A biscuit is not a cookie. Hey, okay, I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. But I did. I'm because I'm evil. Those yeah. are can, those are Canadian expressions, aren't they? Well, they're British too. Oh, okay. Well, can, Canada is British. America, My mother-in-law's from so. Canada, and she was always like, always say, hey. So, so and, essentially. So she's a British subject. Technically, yes. So I so understand it. Uh, I'm a Russian still, predicate, so I don't know. Some sort of <laughs> governmental connection with. I like that. So, so essentially, so essentially, the trading card set. Is trying to be supportive of Old School Gamer magazine, and we're going to do a series of cards for a forthcoming edition of the magazine that focuses on podcasts. We're going to commemorate the contributions that are made by different podcasts, and one of the reasons we're sitting here in your booth because we want to tell you that you're one of the podcasts that we want to embrace with a trading card set. And commemorate your contributions well, thank you. and the important I, things that you're bringing to light. All this historical <laughs> stuff that you're bringing to light, and uh, so we are going to have a Pie Factory podcast trading card as part of a series of podcast cards that'll be running in a future issue of Old School Gamer magazine. So, so three cheers for the Pie Factory Woo-hoo. podcast and well, all the stuff that Well, that means that you we do. can't pull the plug on the podcast now. Oh well, yeah. Uh, well, I guess you can. I guess you have to stick around at least until your card. At least come until out. it comes out. Until yeah. The cards right. come out. Because I got a trading card named after uh, me. Sorry, listeners, but we're going to keep going for a while. <laughs> so it's so when you think about it, the pod, the podcasts gather information. They gather life stories. They commemorate people's contributions, and that's very important because a lot of people and a lot of their contributions would be lost to history if we didn't have like podcasts who are out there getting interviews on the most grassroots level possible. Sorry, we're just a little bit stunned. I'm sorry. We, what were you saying? Bring the microphone closer. Oh. There. <laughs> oh, I thought you were getting in my yours. No, 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 no. Oh. Oh, okay. no, that's fine. Yeah. I thought I was getting on yours too. No, that's fine. That's fine. So since that last, that last point, to me, the podcasters are the people who are in the most grassroots level, the most in the front line of, uh, of video game and pinball journalism, in my opinion, 
and are doing some of the most important work in terms of getting all sorts of important historical bio biographical stuff and uh, incidental stuff that otherwise would be missed by the history books because a lot of people here in this room have contributed in some important way except that their contributions and their participation is not being recognized and would be completely forgotten if it wasn't for the amazing work that the podcasters of the world do by being the people in the front line of historical documentation on literally a grassroots level. Yeah, you can see we're about as grassroots as you can get here with oh, our kind of budget. <laughs> yeah, we're still trying to find out information on the arcade games Tinkle Pit and Uncle Pooh, so... Yeah. So there you go, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Actually, when we go to shows, in addition to the trading cards, we present awards, things that are deeply researched, things that go back to a pinball contest in 1972 and oh, who yeah, organized right. it. Right. And so again, who created those grassroots? We take it, we put it in print. If we create an award or a trading card, it's real. It's now part of history. It'll never be lost. It'll never be swept under the rug. Right. History will not be lost or rewritten. And so that's what makes so much of it so important and to go out and continually reach out to people at different venues including podcasts of course i have a question i've been meaning i've i've always wanted to know uh bill what's with the thumbs up is that your own thing or is that a tribute to pac-man because all the pac-man pictures he's got the thumbs up or no the pac-man thumbs up came after me okay so do you know anyone else who used to do the thumbs up before me the funds we'll give him a pass okay okay so no um it's something that was done on the spot at the moment at the perfect Pac-Man when the score finally went on the screen and I turned around and I gave a thumbs up and it was born at that moment and it just he stuck just with me. Because <clears throat> that was like uh, some kind of turning point. All right, so hey, so, since this is a gaming convention, we might as well ask this magic question uh, for each of you. Sorry to be so basic and everything, but your favorite video game ever on any platform, arcade, home console, Whatever. I'll start. Actually, I'll put it this way. Uh, you know, what I got involved with way back a long time ago, let's step away from that. The things that were so dear to me are the ones that I still hold on to now. And that's the same for Billy. When we come to an event like this that has a lot of arcade games, there's going to be a moment where we're going to try and escape from all the responsibilities and the acclaim of public attention and go and play, for instance, a two-man player, a two-player game of Wizard of War. Or we'll go play... Or play a two-player thing of, uh, of uh, Tutankham, you know, King Tut, Tutankham. And I'll Which go play... talked about, I think, on the same on the episode. same episode, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, go, I'll go play maybe a couple games of Gorf, a couple games of Galaxy. Yeah. Neither one of those games we ever took serious or tried to get good at. It's just interaction amongst friends. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's like fun like how fun. we hate Mortal Kombat, but we once played a game of it, a two-player game together. We're like, this is so that. much fun. And we, yeah, um, it, I don't remember what episode number, but I re, uh, related the story how I actually was playing a one-player on Mortal Kombat, and for the first time in my life, in ten tries, I actually defeated the first guy, <clears throat> and I'm going to quote the actual episode, some butthole came in, put a token in, killed me, and I'd like, I never touched the game since until we played a one-on-one -on -one like 20 years later. So essentially, there's numerous games, but my, my favorite game from a long time ago had been Make Tracks. And for a while, in 1982, I held what probably was the world record. Oh, wow. At least it was registered with Twin Galaxy Scoreboard as the world huh. record. I think, are we posing that same question to uh, Billy now? Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, if, so, if, if he didn't already answer. I don't think he did. It would be a two-part answer. Okay. One is, it was Donkey Kong at Life Magazine, the first gathering of 
competitive champions. Right. And the performance that I put on there, which without a doubt, I credit that plunged me into the world of competitive gaming that I seem to never come out. Sure. But I cannot lie that doing the perfect Pac-Man in 1999, having that story run around the world, being flown first class to Japan, meeting Messiah Nakamoto, the father of Pac-Man, the godfather of video games, right. uh, performing live in front of him, being on the stage with him, that would absolutely be the highlight of in my gaming career. Sure. So I'd give it a two-part answer such as that. I don't want to keep you guys for too long, so I guess I guess one thing I, I do want to ask the both of you is, uh, in your own personal opinion, God knows when this is actually going to be released because because we're very low budget. It takes us forever to get an episode out. But yeah, uh, yeah, hide. So um, um, let's see. Depending on how soon we get this out, either uh, eleven months from now or two months from now, uh, why should people come to Midwest Gaming Classic next year? Well, you should come for the weather. The weather's wonderful. Oh, tell me about it. The weather. Uh, uh, the because are because they're not in a tent this year. They can promise a good snowstorm in April, which is no other event can promise. Um, we're only kidding, of course. No, the uh, Milwaukee's a fun city, and this is also a very, very, very nice convention center, and very accommodating and very convenient and very well laid out. Um, lots and lots of fun vendors with lots of great stuff, lots of games to play. And, uh, well, you know, the traditional stuff, but just very high quality. It's a very good event. Very impressed. I'm impressed with how many people bothered to come to this, which is a sign that it's a successful event that's on an upward swing. You know? How about you, Bill? Well, again, when I think about where it was in 2004, and now I come back now, to me it's incredible. I think, where's it going to be? I mean, it, it'll be the largest convention in the country. It absolutely has a tremendous mix of home, arcade, history, history oh, yeah. pinball. And um, pinball's really, uh, really uh, big here this year. Yeah, um, the Iron Maiden pinball machine is awesome. I was gonna say I think it's great because it's great, but coming here and seeing what Stern is putting out is oh, tremendous. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I said this to someone earlier that um, I think we're just starting to see the second golden age of arcade video games, but I think we're well within the third golden age of pinball. And um, I bought all oh, the Alice Cooper machine out there. It was pretty good, too. The Alice Cooper pinball machine in the next room. That was a pretty good one, too. Uh, oh, so, we're getting a photograph, too. Wow. Yes. So, um, These things seem to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ask me what I thought the coolest thing was that I saw here today, and it was the snow outside. Well, I, already, I asked you that yesterday. Yeah, but we didn't get yeah. it on recording. Yes, we did. We, we got well, it. you got it again. We got it. Yeah. yeah. Coolest thing I saw... Um, well, aside from uh, these two gentlemen here, of course, uh, coolest thing I saw oh, easily Walter and Billy. easily the two Vectrices that they have in the uh, that's the plural form of Vectrex, by the way, Vectrices. Those two Vectrex cabinets they have at the guys' games yes. and mirrors. Oh and gosh! Oh man! The arcade Vectrex cabinets. Yeah, that was amazing. Right. Oh yeah, I was say I remember that you guys were down to Underground Retrocade like two years ago, I think it was, for the Man vs. Snake thing. And I remember afterwards, I was helping you guys move some stuff to your car. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, so it's, a, it's good meeting you guys yeah. again. And, yeah, um, thank you for your time. Yeah, you, I really appreciate you it. Time. You're busy guys. We were actually here for the popcorn. We knew that's this how we would get you guys over here. So, but Meanwhile, I'm going to... Let's see, I'm going to resume my uh, carbonated sugar drink here okay, and my I stressful actually, lunch. I actually <laughs> I cut out 90% of uh, drinks except for like orange juice very good to do. Uh, like four years ago just mainly to lose weight because I do a lot of bicycling 
I'd normally have 200 miles by this year, but because of the weather, I've got 40. There, there are actually venues we go to where part of our agreement is they do. They supply us with all the popcorn we want. It's, well, that's all you can eat popcorn. We're honored that's to be all you on can your eat. show, and we're honored to tell you that you folks are officially slated to be made in the trading well, cards. We are honored ourselves. And wow. to be appearing that's... in Old School Gamer Magazine. So, Old School Gamer Magazine, you can find at www.oldschoolgamermagazine.com. Put a link so, in the show notes. Okay, so come, come and take a look at the magazine because it's a magazine that's attempting to commemorate the history of the gaming age. All right, well, okay. gentlemen, thank you thank very you, much. So, uh, what do you think of that? There you have it. Good lord! So, yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> that was it, was. it was quite an honor. That, um, that was mind blowing. It was. Yeah, yeah. I never thought I would actually see myself on a trading card. I have arrived. <laughs> so, um, when did he say those were going to be available? Because you know, I don't know if he said. I thought he said this summer, or he said this summer or soon, something like that. I, I, and of course, we could listen to the audio, but we can't listen to the audio we recorded the other day while we're recording this audio, or could we? I don't know. Yeah, and we rambling. could if the soundboard were working, but it's yeah, not that's working true. yet. But uh, but um, that, yeah, that's uh, that is a that is a, that is a big honor and uh, very very humbling. Yeah, and the thing is, like this, that's the third time I got to talk to Walter uh, in the past few years, and yeah. every single time I talk to him. I just got this impression, God, this is a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. He just seems to be like one of the nicest people. He really does. Oh, indeed. Definitely. And I do like the idea, uh, now that he's no longer with Twin Galaxies, about how he's doing uh, these trading card things. And he's doing some, like, game, game. he's, like, video game type trading card things, like hero, heroes of the... Uh, of, of of the industry and high scorers and stuff like that. And then, then of course, there's people like Victor Marlin and us, um, which uh, really don't deserve to be on trading cards, especially me. But um, I do like the fact that he's also done like, uh, he's doing like historical trading cards too yeah. with uh, important figures in history. And that's a really neat tool uh, for like schools and stuff, I think. Uh, so that'd be interesting to see how that uh, how he expands that. But uh, oh, yeah. that's that's really kind of a cool thing. If I had the money and the druthers, I would do something like that myself. You sure you wouldn't druther be a comedian? Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. And I'm trying to ignore it. Little flashback there. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like we said before, this and other interviews in this episode were trimmed down a little bit for on-topic content and for time. So if you want to hear the full-length versions, you can go to the show notes at piefactorypodcast.com. Click on show notes, go to this episode, you'll see links to these interviews right there. But uh, anyway, hey, uh, why don't we remind people what's coming up next uh, on Pie Factory Podcast? Just want to quickly, if, if, I, if I may, just quickly wrap up, you know, the, 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 just do a quick wrap up here. But uh, all I want to say uh, in, in my final uh, thoughts here about Midwest Gaming Classic, it was a must-attend event in the past. It is an absolutely must-attend event now. Yes. Um, they totally outdid themselves this year. And themselves. I, I see nothing but bigger things coming from this. In fact, it looked to me like the other half of the hall uh, for the arcade area wasn't even being used by anyone or anything in the space they're in. It can only get bigger. It can only get better. And uh, it's an incredible time. It's worth every penny. Next time I'll make sure to not screw up my hotel reservations. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. That's a story in itself. Yeah. And uh, I stayed off site at a, 
at an offsite hotel a couple blocks away. Like it wasn't one of the partner hotels, mainly because I really wanted a hotel with a pool and or a hot tub, which none of the partner hotels had. So I kind of paid for that by having to walk through the uh, weird elements outside. Oh God. Oh man. That was, that was quite a, that was something to behold. So yeah, that was a Midwest gaming classic for us. And uh, anyway, Hey, uh, what's up for episode 75? Well, um, of course, I don't have the spreadsheet up in front of me. I had... Why don't I just tell you what's up next to them? Why don't you tell me then? Okay, we will be talking about Super Pac-Man, finally. I can't believe it's taken us this long. And um, APB, All Points Bulletin. Yay! And what's the theme going to be? Oh, wait. Ah, you'll have to listen and find out now, won't you? Sweet. So I guess uh, we'll talk to everybody in another couple of weeks. And um, just one one thing I wanted to reiterate that we... We announce our email address in the the closing of the show. Uh, so send us any comments, news, death threats, whatever. Uh, audio clips, we will accept anything. Oh, yes, yes. And um, there is actually one other thing we need to do, too, though. Oh, yes, we do, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, we need to thank a lot of people. And, wow, I'm just looking, I'm just realizing a lot of these people, we've most of these people we've actually met now. Or at least a good deal of them. So um, I'm going to go alphabetical this way and thanking people who have donated to us through Patreon. And that's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. I'm going to have to uh, have our booth announcer re-record that announcement because it doesn't really have the spelling of Patreon. But we offer a huge thank you to D. Alex, uh, Atari Bytes, whom we loved getting a chance to meet. Uh, yeah, we met Atari Bytes. There we go. Uh, Rory Coleman, thank you so much. Michael D'Angelo, thank you. Kyle Etter, we finally got to meet too. Thank you, Kyle, for, for your support. Tim Foley. Oh, we didn't see Tim this weekend, did we? I guess he didn't go. Art Guglielmo, thank you. Nate Lockhart, whom we did see, and I felt stupid because I didn't recognize him right away because he had a haircut and different, and he wasn't wearing his glasses or something. And he but, didn't have his microphone with the Geekiverse uh, logo right. on it. Yeah, he didn't have that with him. Oh, wow. Uh, Greg Polander, whom I didn't expect to see at Midwest Gaming Classic, but you know what? I still didn't see him there. Uh, <laughs> Jonas Rulo, thank you. And uh, Keith Sheehan, oh man, our savior, saved uh, the 7800 for us. Thank you. And uh, PJ Steele, Underground Retrocade and uh, Richard Valdez, thank all of you so much for supporting us. And Indeed. of course, thank you to our friend Steve Tui at Tuiville.com, T O U H Y V I L L E.com. Yes, indeedy. Pumpkin Seedy. And that's all she wrote. Who? It, she. Oh, who's the she? Proverbial, the proverbial she. Oh, the proverbial she. Yes. Oh. oh, well, so I guess that's it. Uh, we'll see you with You know uh, what? Maybe uh, Keith uh, will uh, write something, and then we can say that's all Sheehan wrote. Ooh, oh, we'll, yeah, we'll maybe. get right on that. Yeah. Yes, in fact, so, you've hey. got to write Sheehan to return his uh, to return his uh, power supply. Unless you I, already did that today. I already did that today. Oh, I'm there you go. Maybe he'll that. write back, and then we could say that's all Sheehan wrote. That's that's very true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there we so, go. Uh, yeah, so uh, this is uh, Sean in Chicago and Jim in somewhere you really don't want to know instant classic bye this episode of the pie factory podcast was edited and produced by hyde saint pierre opening and closing theme is the happy l composed by sean courtney 
Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on piefactorypodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. That was the oxymoron I was trying to think of last episode. I remembered it this time. If it's a classic, it can't be instant. It's got to stand the test of time. Oh, dude, you know what? That's something I didn't understand because on WCKG, when they were a classic rock station, they used to say, it doesn't have to be old to be a classic. And they would play something fairly new. And sure enough, they were usually right. It would be a huge classic. But the thing is, it's this, the same station. The person, the on-air personalities would say that to be a classic, it has to stand the test of time. So which is it, WCK? Well, that's why they're not around anymore, maybe. There, that's not very cliche, is it? Oh. Oh. No, we're going to use the new da-da-da. Oh, right. The, I forgot what that one sounds music. like. So that'll be new to me again. Yeah. Awesome. And something I do want to explain, uh, the reason that I asked the questions I did, like why I asked Billy about the thumbs up, why I asked Walter about the transcendental meditation is... I wanted to, what I'd like to do is ask people things that they're not asked about all the fricking time. They're probably asked about video games all the time. So I wanted something different, something unique. And case in point, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a biopic about Brian Wilson that came out. It was called Love and Mercy and John Cusack was in it. And, uh, and uh, they had a free screening of it here in Chicago at the Music Box Theater with a Q&A with Brian Wilson afterwards. And uh, my wife had a question she always wanted to ask him, but she she basically got cold feet. So I said, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to ask your question for you. So I get in line, and when it got to my turn in line, it was, uh, let's see, it was John Cusack, uh, Brian Wilson, and I think one of the writers of the movie. And it got to my turn at the microphone. I said, hey, I got a question for Brian. Um, Brian, please forgive me. I know you're asked this stuff all the time. But just bear with me for this one thing. So I, I, I apologize for asking you the same thing you're probably asked every single day. Now, Brian, when you go to In-N-Out Burger, what's your favorite thing to order on the menu? <laughs> I couldn't hear him, but I saw him turn over to John Cusack. He looked at Cusack, and I saw him mouth, what this guy asked me? And then John Cusack says, In-N-Out, what do you get in-N-Out? And he's like, oh, okay, um, one with everything. <laughs> Which isn't even a menu item, but... <laughs> So I kind of like to just ask unusual questions if I can. So that's what that was all about. And I know I know that he's a big TM follower. So I just wanted to get his thoughts trademarks. on that. He's yeah. all about the trademarks. He's all about the trademarks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he said anything about them being registered, though. So, uh, so have at it. All right. Here we go. Hide, stick it in. Not literally. And that's going in the outtakes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we do have to get that clip from Atari Bytes of uh, Bill saying, um, uh, punching the monster. <laughs> oh, God, I missed that. I have to re-listen. <laughs> I oh, heard it plain as day, man. punching the monster. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so three, two, one.